if a band came out with a song that was like seemed like it was about like a romance or something like that, we would like raise an eyebrow at it like, uh, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really seem like it's about God, it, it, which is <laughs> it's so stupid. But that's just how we thought at the time. You know, I didn't break out of that until I was like 20. That 20's not bad. 20's not bad. There's a lot of psycho ex-Christians that it took them till like 28, 29 when, you know, Trump got elected and they all of a sudden became like <laughs> heroes of the marginalized. Um, and the year before they were literally in like YWAM. So 20, like, <laughs> am I wrong? We're back with another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Sam. And I'm Casey. And this week, Biden fell off of his tricycle. As he rides a tricycle, right? <laughs> oh, no. They, someone took the training wheels off his bike is what happened. And he wasn't aware. And I think Kamala was behind him and be like, you can do it. And he's like, I'm not ready. And she just gave him a little push. And it, he just needs his training wheels still. He but, thought she was still holding on to the yeah. seat. And then he, he, he turned, turned back. And he's like, <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> Like, yeah, I can't do it. I can't. He starts wobbling back and forth. Yeah, it was sad. Uh, he's a little too old to be falling off of a bicycle, but, you know, unfortunately, he's still alive and still the president. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, like, I wonder if any Secret Service guys get got fired because there's at least two of them. That they're, them. Yeah, their entire job is to be human tricycle wheels. Yeah. You know, like, just just fall on the ground and block his uh, his body from hitting pavement. <laughs> you know that meme that gets cycled around where it's like the person riding the bike and then they take a stick and they spoke jam themselves and it's <laughs> it's like it could be like christians persecution and then it's like the, the persecution's a stick that they spoke jam themselves with uh i saw a bunch of funny ones just about biden uh which were incredibly relevant to the fact that he it was like putin's price hike and then he just i was just about to say that (laughs) that yeah i feel like the meme that that makes me think of is like the mean (laughs) girls one where i I haven't seen anybody make it but they should be like you know the picture of uh what's her face being like stop trying to make putin's price hike a thing it's not going to be a thing or whatever (laughs) (laughs) i think that has been rubbed in his face more than like I just I, I would love to be in the room when he wakes up for his like morning meeting and they they go over the approval ratings and he's just blown away. I want to see that look of flabbergast in his face just because it's like to confirm that he really doesn't get it. Like he's like, how how could I be less popular than Trump? Like Trump is at least <laughs> fucking funny sometimes. You're just a stick in the mud who only makes things worse. It's just like wakes up and he's like, what? Where am I, Mom? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like Mr. Mr. President, you're you're in the White House. You're you're the president. He's like, oh, have I ever told you the story about corn pop? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's weird. They wake up like they just find him wandering the halls, like peeing in the little plants that they have all over the White House. They just have to grab him, bring him back to bed. They're like, no, no, the bathroom's this way. I honestly, I feel bad for the guy. I yeah. Mean, He's spending his twilight years in the worst job in the world, taking the blame for like three decades of poor economic choices and 
yeah. <laughs> it just like the the war on terror and the economy and like the housing market, like all of it is going to explode under his like second year of his term. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's funny to think about. Like I don't know, it, it's it's always weird to parse out because as a kid, you know, I remember the talking points I inherited from my parents. Uh, so you know anything that wasn't go it's and it's just we know everyone knows the same old story bush is president so everything before that everything that's not going good was clinton's fault and everything that's going good was what bush did and then you do that and you just kick the can down the road constantly with presidencies in part i guess that's their job is to make people feel like it's working and make them still subscribe to a broken and fucked up system where they just have to be like oh yeah it's working great because the guy it's like you just keep getting people to confirm their bias about their president and they keep buying into a ridiculous system that's clearly falling apart in front of our eyes. But it is like, so I don't know. It's, I mean, I, I think obviously Trump's presidency was such a disaster that Biden is picking up the, or I think the problem is he's just not really picking up any pieces. And that's it. Like any, this is still better than Trump, but I'm not going to let him off the hook and I'm not going to not make fun of him for falling off of his bicycle. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, all week long, I've been watching uh, really depressing videos about uh, the state of the economy and inflation and like some of the economic trends that we're about to. It, it, by all yeah. accounts, looks like it's going to be a rough decade. Well, you lost a small <laughs> fortune in crypto to, to this week. <laughs> I mean, I still have the crypto. Does that count as something? Only m- maybe 100 years from now when it bounces back. I literally like quit looking at it because it's just like depressing. Like I quit looking at it like months ago because I'm like, oh, I'm not going to sell it if it's this bad. And then it just keeps getting worse. Imagine and I looked at it the other day and it's like my my crypto stuff is down like 78 <laughs> <laughs> percent. I was t- talking to a friend uh, this weekend and he was he mentioned that his brother in law got in. He's like, crypto is just well, a funny thing about crypto is like people who don't know shit about shit, who have never mentioned it to you before. Just one day they're like, yeah, so I started investing in crypto and you go, no, this is not good. Like you don't you've never done anything like you don't actually know what you're doing. That's just like my that's like starting off a story saying, hey, I just I, I was playing. I'm, I just started playing the slots like they don't they're not thinking about it. They just hear that crypto is on the rise and it's the idea of just blowing their money up which is something I wanted to do, but he's like, so he gets into it and that he, he bought Doge, but when Doge was low and then it just, you know, it, as everyone knows, it, it skyrocketed and he didn't cash out and he spent, he had spent like 50 cents uh, a share or whatever, a coin. I don't know. I guess it was by coin, but he bought it when it was like at 50 cents and then it, uh, it shot up and he just kept it. And now it's down to like five cents. And yeah. It's, it's not good. That's never go. That one is you all of this incompetence. Yeah, <laughs> but that's one that's never ever gonna go back up. I can't. I don't. That was like I mean, a probably shit point. not. Yeah, it is. Most of them are never gonna go back up. Yep. There's the staples that, like, if the concept is ever gonna work in any capacity, like Bitcoin and Ethereum and a few of the others, will they're gonna be there. But yeah, I yeah, that's. I mean, maybe the most depressing topic to talk about for sure. Yeah. So. But so <laughs> I was sitting here talking about. Uh, talking to april about all this like panicky stuff i've been watching and it got me thinking about like the great depression and what people ate 
during the Great Depression. Like if you lived in a shanty town. That's what we're trying to get back to. Right, right, right. Yeah, like if if you lived in a shanty town and, you know, what what did you eat like before you got to the point where you were like, you know, cooking your shoes and stuff like that? (laughs) Okay. I don't know how you adapt some some of these to like modern standards, but I, I could definitely see like, you know, a bunch of Zoomers boiling their Jordans to eat. Yeah. How many of these uh, involve bodily fluids? <laughs> well, you know, you got to have a base. That's the thing with soups. A soup, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the things on this list are soups, and the rest of them are things you just, you wish you had soup. So, uh, Lint, like lint, buttons and strings, maybe you can pull up off the carpet. Lint came into play in a couple of times. <laughs> Oh yeah! Like if you want it to be hearty, you can thicken it up with some sawdust and lint. Like no, no joke, not exaggerating. No cornstarch needed. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's that's a good one to start with. Sawdust. As long as you use oak, you get that nice oaky flavor. And people, I hear people like that. You could cook. You could like burn it a little bit, char it up beforehand. You know. Right. Your stew smells of rich mahogany. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Mulligan stew. Um, first created by the homeless population during the depression and was a total mishmash of whatever food the neighborhood had. So basically whatever you got, bring it, throw it in a pot. Um, so they threw their quote bits and bobs in a big pot to make mulligan stew. Sometimes this included sawdust and lint, which supposedly made the stew more filling. Yeah. Today, it it's more like traditional vegetable stew. in your stomach and you can't pass that shit. At some point, like a brick is the best you can hope for, you know? Just grind it up, baby. <laughs> that makes ta- you start making fucking cement. Like it's good, you know. You water it down enough, and it, it goes down easy, and then it solidifies, and you don't feel hungry for weeks. Yeah, or until you you're if dead. it doesn't fully dead. solidify, it's basically like mortar. Yeah, you can just <laughs> like lay a line, put previous day's bricks on it, make yourself that- a little uh, dookie glue or something. <laughs> Eat that red Virginia clay. <laughs> that shit. <laughs> uh, I was actually reading about uh like during the siege of Stalingrad back in World War II on the Eastern Front. Uh things got bad. It's uh, people like contend that it's like the worst military siege in history. It's hard to say for sure, but it was it wasn't fun. And <laughs> at one point they talked about a a, a bomb hitting one of the storehouses and it like melted a bunch of sugar that was stored in there into the soil and people would like go like scoop up this soil and mix it with like sawdust and and different things and cook that and eat it because it had it was sweet that's crazy dude i feel like there's a story from around actually i'm gonna i'm gonna mess it up you uh you go ahead with the next one okay so this one's a little on the nose poor man's meal uh it's a fried potato based meal served with diced hot dogs and that one you know i could i could go for that i like a hot dog yeah i mean hot dog I'll, hot dog and beans dude i'll throw that back i feel like at times it's been cool to hate hot dogs and yeah it's just it's, stupid hot dogs are delicious i think it's all okay very much depends on the kind of hot dogs i for me the worse they are technically the worse they are for you the better they are like when you start going to these like fancy all beef hot dog, not all beef is fine, but like 
I feel like you people try to get fancy with hot dogs and they just, I don't know. It just doesn't taste right. Yeah, you'd really just want to keep it simple. I think, like, I don't know I, if it's I'll a take national... like a little jalapeno and cheese in a hot dog and that's pretty good. But when they start putting in all this other stuff, like, you know, uh, it almost tastes like a know. fat Slim Jim or some shit. You're like, get the fuck out of here with this. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like gym. any recipe that gets shared on Facebook by boomers, I look at it and I'm like, this is just too much. Like, do you need to wrap your your ham in bacon? Like, it doesn't make oh, any yeah. sense. Well, all those like fucking videos on Facebook that are like five ideas you can do to spruce up any meal. And it's always like the shittiest ideas you've ever seen. It, I don't it's, it's like along the lines of the craft ones. Like, I don't know if you see those craft ones float around, but they're ridiculous. Oh, One yeah. of them was like, uh, it was like five awesome things you can do with tinfoil. This fucking dum-dum made a hammock out of it. I'm like, you spent probably $5,000 on aluminum foil when a hammock costs 30 bucks. It's not something cool or crafty you can do with <laughs> aluminum foil. You could do this if you wanted to. I don't really know why you would. Also, it'll burn your skin off. <laughs> it's like, that'll come in handy, I don't know, maybe sometime in the apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic future when, like, I don't know, our currency has gotten so weird that like there's a, an abundance of aluminum foil and you just, now pe- it's just not even worth it anymore. People are just like, you just we have don't need a, that. a mark on your forehead. You're like, I'll trade you five rolls of aluminum foil for that live chicken. And that's like the new, that's the new system. <laughs> Did you remember the pair? How many yards? Actually, it should be yards. <laughs> <laughs> just like the most coveted, you know, commodity is aluminum foil. <laughs> yeah. Like this guy's sleeping on it. <laughs> the paranoia about what the the like ever present p- paranoia about the mark of the beast oh yeah that was so fun i got it when i got the uh fucking covid vaccine well yeah i mean most of us did you know yeah. i don't think they were gonna let me into heaven anyways i guess yeah <laughs> you're already on the app i think we just got a higher the... rank in hell now though so that's dope yeah well he will be to uh... the vaccinated section at least yeah <laughs> <laughs> I always like there has been it's kind of like the Antichrist thing. Like there's been so many different things that people have said were like are speculated might be the mark of the beast since we were kids. Everything from yeah. like debit cards to <laughs> to tattoos to, you know, vaccines, when they, shots. When they moved from like the, the strips on your debit card to the chips. Uh, did you hear it about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally any change. They'll just put that chip under your skin. What's next? Like, it's basically the same. Like, you're worried about it because the chip is now placed under your skin instead of a piece of plastic. What the fuck changed? Nothing. You're still living the exact same life, buying the exact same shit, and all of a sudden, everything's falling apart because they relocated the chip. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I mean, like, I I can't imagine. Like, let's, let's just go way out on a limb and say that, like, all of revelation is true and to be taken literally. Like I can't imagine that you could be tricked into getting the mark of the beast and it would have the same effect. Like it's, it's basically like a, a a visible Testament to your allegiance to the devil, right? It's like cartoons. You want a debit card? You want to sign up for a free rewards card? It's you get free Coles cash. (laughs) Like, wow, why not? I mean, you know, I am buying a polo shirt. Why not get another credit card? And, 
that was it. You you, you screwed up it. You got yeah. the mark now. It's like in uh, in cartoons where like the bad guys are just evil for the sake of it. Like Team Rocket from Pokemon or something, or Invader Zim, some shit like that. You're like, they're just like everything nice and kind hurts them, and they're like they just want to be evil. Like we're evil, so we just that's why we do these things. It's like evil for evil's sake is like how pedantic they the revelation is if it was literally true. And you're like, well, whose side are you on? You're like, uh, mm, I pick. Well, it says here that this guy loses in the end, but. And everything else has come true in this book so far. I think I'm going to hedge my bets with Satan. I think that's just, there's a, there's a lot to lose. It's also a lot to gain, you know, high risk, high reward, baby. Yeah, you don't even have to get the mark of the beast. You can just, you know, kneel for the Pledge of Allegiance or whatever. Amen. <laughs> we should execute uh, those people, right? I think that's oh, the new yeah. thing. The new trend in fundamentalism is just talking about executing everybody you don't like. So, <laughs> right uh you know mike pence didn't like like hold down hold off congress with a with a revolver to keep them from ratifying the election like better hang him yeah (laughs) it's actually crazy (laughs) impressive that someone built a fucking gallows to hang him from like there at the like they just put that up and no one was like hey we should get rid of that everyone that we just left it like no one did anything like hey sorry look no weapons and no devices by which we can hang people by. We just we can't have that. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's There's a few people left. that were like were a little too adamant about the violence. Like there's just people walking around in the crowd being like, we got to get in there. We got to kill him. We got to end. And even the people that were in the like the people standing around in the video were like, what is your problem, man? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, when he started up the steps, they kind of followed along so doesn't yeah. really count <laughs> <laughs> but hey you know what if you're hungry after a long day of rioting and looting and you know uh hunting congress members you'll you'll be able to settle down to a nice plate of hot water pie hey you could probably even have this one in prison so for those lucky ones who got locked away yeah yeah hot water pie seems like a thing when it's like I only have ingredients. I don't have any fruits, vegetables, or meat. It's uh, it's made from simple ingredients like butter, sugar, and flour for the crust, and butter, sugar, eggs, and boiling water for the custard filling. Ooh. So it's just butter and sugar. And eggs. With a little, like, yeah, some, some scrambled eggs on top. And then you boil it and whisk it into a, a nice mush. So it creates, like, a... So, the I mean, the crust, that's pretty standard pie crust right flour water and eggs and sugar i think i don't know i've never made a fucking before yeah i think so i think so and then you just use like basically eggs and sugar and water to make a custard and it probably like sets kind of like gelatiny ish maybe maybe not quite like a jello or not quite like a pudding but not quite like a quiche kind of somewhere in the middle a little sweet a little sweet with the sugar i would try it Honestly, of all the ones you've mentioned so far, that's the only one that doesn't include sawdust and it doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> <laughs> now, don't get all uppity and, and swear <laughs> off sawdust. I mean, we're early in this recession. So. <laughs> It'll come in handy. I mean, I have these right here, baby. These walls behind me. I don't know if anyone just heard that thump, but it is on wood pl- cedar planks. So just pry I- them off, put them through the paper shredder. 
yeah, I just grind them. I have a file. I just file off what I need and mix it with water and I'm good. I probably have a good, what, I don't know, six months worth of sawdust back here to live on. Yeah, I mean, especially if you don't feed your kids. Well, I mean, the, they're the first to go. Gonna I was going to say, they've, they've been eaten long ago. Yeah, I mean, my daughter has pneumonia right now anyway, so she probably won't make it. I'm not, we'll just, <laughs> you know, I don't even have to feel like, like guilty about that one. My son, that'll be a little harder, right? He's alive. <laughs> so I got to, you know, make a choice. Uh, it feels more like a choice and I don't, that's tough for me. You know, at the end of the day, survival is what's important to me. So yeah, that's it. You think you could eat in person? No. Uh, what, yeah. I, I, if we're actually talking seriously about whether or not you could eat a person, uh, if I if I didn't know them uh, and it was for survival, I think definitely. Uh, if it was somebody I knew, I don't know. But what? You're hungry enough and you're dying. Your bright your brain might just be like, "Fuck your morals. Eat your eat eat your friend, dummy. Like you're gonna, what are you gonna do? Die?" So yeah, you're just like sitting on your floor, having eaten all of your furniture and leather goods, and <laughs> your stomach's grumbling, and you're like, "That's not far off. It's coming." And then your doorbell rings, and it's uh, two Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. Oh, they're going down. And they're on my property, so I can kill them. So that's helpful. You stood your ground. Oh, dude, this is going to derail a little bit, but I had the wildest fucking dream last night. And you know how vivid some dreams are? Like, vivid. You wake up and you're like, oh my God, that happened. And then you keep falling in and out of sleep, and you can't figure out if it's real or not every time you wake up. Mm-hmm. I had a dream that I bought, like, that you had talked me into buying like $5,000 worth of guns. <laughs> and I woke up feeling like you were like, you just look, the easiest way to do it is you call this number and like this big, like armored vehicle basically shows up and they sell you guns out of the back of it. Like cops will come and they run your information and you're like, it's the best way to do it. It's like, it's not that much of a markup and then you don't have to go through the hassle of going somewhere. And I got like all these pistols and ar-15 and i it's like afterwards i was just like in my dream when i'm still dreaming i'm like i signed it i'm like why did i do that why did i do this i don't want these and i have like all these guns like <laughs> I, i'm like i don't have a safe i have kids what am i doing with all these guns lying around and then i woke up and i was like actually trying to figure out if i spent like thousands of dollars on weapons and no that couldn't be true because yesterday was father's day and i was drunk by 8 p.m. So I definitely didn't call that number and order $8,000. It took me like a good 20 minutes like from that fog of like waking up to realize that like to stop panicking like oh my god my wife's going to kill me. I can't what am I going to do? I wonder if I can sell them back. Is there a buyback program for these? <laughs> you could probably wait like six months and make a bunch of money on it. I know. <laughs> oh my God. It was I think you may have crazy. accidentally stumbled onto a great business idea though. Like a Schwann's truck full of guns. Yeah. Just it looked door to door gun sales with like, how does that not exist here already? <laughs> <laughs> it looked like a black armored RV kind of like it looked heavy, but like made entirely out of metal, like tank like, but rv style and all black covert i um i'm i would invest i mean if i didn't own so much worthless dogecoin i guess yeah <laughs> well that's the thing we only take doge you're in luck <laughs> perfect okay you ready for uh one of the standouts right. on the list yep peanut butter stuffed onions 
That sounds awful. You don't even have to explain it. I know the recipe. The the description says, uh, to make this delicacy, simply bake an onion, remove the inner parts of it, and stuff it with peanut butter. And no, this doesn't taste good. Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Honestly, why not just eat the two separately? I I don't know. There's a lot of things on this list like that. Like, okay, here's here's a good example. (laughs) This one's called... Cooked bread. Toast, also known as toast. <laughs> it could be toast. That's the thing is like this could end with it being toast and that would be fine. But it says uh, cooked bread was something you made with your existing loaf of bread, which was too hard to do anything else with. Cut the bread into slices and then pour olive oil and salt onto the slices. Like so far, so good, right? It's that's ciabatta. <laughs> like people pay for this at Olive Garden. <laughs> Then pour boiling water over the bread, making sure the slices are soaked. Mash the bread up and eat it. Like, what's wrong with these people? Stuffing. (laughs) I guess it just feels heavier if it's soaked in boiling water. And if you scald your uh, taste buds off with the, you know, your cooked bread, then you can't taste your peanut butter onion. (laughs) Or just do cooked bread uh, where you, you drill out the hole of the bread and you stuff it with peanut butter and then you cook that. And then take the bread and stuff that into the onion. And that's still better than the other two ones that you just mentioned. <laughs> yeah, there's options here. I Honestly, I think I found my calling, which is just, you know, depression, chef. <laughs> depression, chef. <laughs> I'm going to be really successful today. Got any bugs? <laughs> I'm going to be really successful when this shit hits the fan. Dude. That's where uh, I'll finally this, shine. This one, I feel like I've definitely seen something very similar to this at church potlucks like there was always somebody who showed up with just like a rancid casserole or something (laughs) that you could smell over top of all the other food and it looked like they made it like a week ago and it's been kind of congealing and crusting over on top and their family's the only one that takes any of it so this one's called garbage plate uh garbage plate is a mashup of macaroni salad home fries and or baked beans and sausage or cheeseburger topped with a beef chili white onions mustard and ketchup or hot sauce and now i feel like we're into a into an area where like this person has a lot of ingredients why is this what they make yeah they have that's plenty of ingredients to make different things uh i don't think it's i'll be honest man i don't feel like that sounded that bad well it's not offensive for sure but i would keep the ketchup off of it but like, why would you need ketchup on that? I don't know. <laughs> you don't. You wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Just save that for something that, like, tastes awful that you just need to drown in ketchup. There's a lot of sandwiches on the list. Ketchup uh, toast. Is that on there? Ketchup oh, sandwiches. Think, yes. Ketchup <laughs> sandwiches is on the list. <laughs> lard sandwiches. Sugar sandwiches. Oh, bacon grease sandwich? sandwiches. Lard. Is that like Crisco? Lard, yeah, oh, it's animal like fat? a like animal, just an, straight animal fat. I think pretty much, yeah. Okay. Ugh. Uh, chipped beef on toast sounds delicious. Fried potato peel sandwiches. That's um, fine. I mean, I don't know why people are trying to put things together. They don't have to. Bread's fine. Eat bread. Eat fried potato peels. That's fine too. But I wouldn't make a sandwich out of that. I just can't imagine like eating a breakfast of potato peels and 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 
boiled bread and then going out and putting in like a 12 hour work day with the civilian conservation corps or something like that. I know. Talk about awful. I'm, these depression era people really weren't able to get their shit figured out. I guess they should have pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. They should have. Yeah. I mean, just apply yourself, learn to work code. hard. Yeah. Work hard. <laughs> That's all you so anywho, uh, if you have recipe, questions suggestions you know just send us a picture of your cabinet so we can see what various like spices and ingredients you have yeah we'll make some recommendations on how we'll to just with... whip them all into a mush yeah we'll come up with a solid menu publish that <laughs> in a we should that's what we should do start a cookbook yeah don't boil your jordans until you text us all right <laughs> all so, right you want to our, introduce our guest? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Our guest this week is Aaron Lunsford. Aaron Lunsford played drums for As Cities Burn. It's hard to know if they're actually not a band anymore because they're always not a band that does shows again at some point. But I think they're kind of done. I think they're done. That's that's the rumor. That's, I believe, what he says. But um, yeah, he played drums for As Cities Burn. Uh, we talk a little bit about Hawk Boy, which was what happened after As Cities Burn wasn't a thing, before they were a thing, and they came back. <laughs> Uh, they've gone through different iterations and transitions. Uh, they've gone through a lot. Aaron also does a lot with um, he does a lot with the bad Chris. We didn't talk about it at all on the episode, but he does a lot with bad Christian. Uh, he's on their podcast a good bit. I think I think it's a regular thing now. Um, I'm not entirely sure what how their episode schedule works, but yeah, he's if you listen to Bad Christian, you know who Aaron. Um, he's he's fun. He's one of those people who. Uh, He's internet trolly in some ways. If you follow him on social media, he says things that makes people mad. Uh, so it's a good follow up to our episode last week. Uh, <laughs> but I think he's a lot of fun. I think some, a lot of his takes on the internet are just funny if you take him with a grain of salt. Uh, and then we we were really excited about getting him on because back when we I'll, we tell the story on the the podcast, but when we were in when we lived in Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, Hawkboy came through and played a show with Emery and we knew the guy who we were friends with the guy who did the, uh, the promoting for that show. And they got into a little bit of an argument and that has, I've, I have been hearing about that on and off from over 10 years. It's been about 10 years since that happened and it comes up from time to time and we joke about, uh, so to hear it from Aaron's perspective was just funny, uh, and a good time. So we had a great time talking to Aaron. Uh, if you, this is usually your part, Casey, but I'll go for it and you can pick up the pieces, but we have a discord, uh, the, you can find the link to that on Instagram, join it. It's fun. Uh, we've been getting, yeah, people are pretty active in it now. It's, it's been a lot of fun. I've been pretty quiet in the past few days cause I've had a lot going on. Uh, so I haven't been able to say a ton, but, uh, and then also leave us a review somewhere now you can do it on spotify so if you listen to the podcast on spotify just click that old five stars the more reviews we get well good ones at least the more five star reviews we get the better uh kind of something to do with algorithms and and moving up them i don't know yeah and it's it's helpful you know we sam does all of our booking and he reaches out to some big guests and occasionally they're like, yeah, okay, let's do it, which is pretty cool, you know. But one of the things that people look at when they go to check out your show, if they've ever heard about it, is, you know, what what kind of ratings does it have? Does anybody listen to this show? That kind of thing. We know there's a bunch of you, and you all have a phone. So, you know, do us a solid, bro. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, that's a great point. It, if you look at a podcast and you see how many ratings it has, you go, you'll you'll judge it pretty quickly based on your stature whether or not it's worth your time or not. So we can get more fun uh, and continue getting interesting guests. That's the the bigger this looks to those people. <laughs> Let's <laughs> check some doozies we're working on. So yeah. Uh, link to discord is on, you know, just go to our Instagram profile and you can find the link there. Jump in, take a look around. We'd be happy to talk to you and, and hang out in there. Lots of cool people. So uh, that being said, enjoy our conversation with Aaron Lunsford. Hey everybody. We're back with our guest, Aaron Lunsford. Aaron, thanks so much for hanging out with us, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, right before we hit record, you were about to tell me why I'm a terrible racist. So let's uh, get this. Yeah. Started. Well, so, all right. Do you live in Boston or are you somewhere else? So I'm west of Boston. Uh, I lived, okay. I only lived in Boston for one year of my my cool time. It was like, okay. oh, let's do Boston. Let's be hip and cool. Uh, and uh, it didn't really work out for me there. So I, I'm west now, about an hour okay. and 20 minutes west of Boston. All right. Well, so I made the claim that Massachusetts or, or Boston is like the most racist, homophobic place on earth, and, yeah. and you disagreed with that. Yeah, I'm all like, yeah. Uh, I be I just don't know how to explain why I disagree with it. It's just not my experience here. But okay. you've traveled a lot, so I don't know if well, this is based on personal experience in the area or just people you've met. No, it's not even like travel necessarily. I mean, I've been to Boston plenty, but um, you know. I drove Uber in Nashville, Tennessee for, for a while. Um, when Uber was first like a thing and, you know, Southerners, we get a bad rap. Like we're the, yeah. like the, the really racist people. And there's an element there typically outside of your pure redneck KKK, like, you know, Clayton Bigsby, uh, black, white supremacist skit types. Um, I would say it's a more casual racism, more culturally, like it, it's just, it, it, it's there and there's some stuff, but it's like, we could, uh, you could probably coach somebody out of it pretty easily, you know, not, not like just like racial slurs and stuff. The homophobia, probably a little bit, right. Just cause of uh, church stuff. Yeah. Dri- driving Uber. I swear to God, I've never heard more in bombs, more ra- uh, homophobic slurs than people with a fucking Boston or New York, like Long Island accent. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, in you, you talking white people using the N word? <laughs> yeah, I'm not talking. Yeah, I'm not talking like uh, black people uh, using it. I'm, That's interesting. I'm talking like yeah, like Goodwill Hunting, like Boston. Yeah. And that's another thing. Look at all your movies. Like the representation put forth by Damon and Affleck and Wahlberg is that you're an incredibly racist, homophobic city to the core. So I don't know what you're talking about. Irish Catholic. Yeah, like every, you know, The Departed and, uh, you know, Goodwill Hunting, The Town, like great films. Uh, But my God, like, how can you say that you've not found it to be that way? I guess you're not hanging out with Irish gangsters and stuff. I don't. I don't hang out with a lot of gangsters these days. Uh, Yeah. Maybe in a former life. That was before I got saved, but we can get into my testimony later. I feel like I work, so I work in like car repair shops, you know, and I just go into tons of them all day, every day. And it's crazy, like thinking back now to when I started doing it, because I graduated in 09 and that's when I started doing this. And, uh, you know, it's pretty common to hear those words around a shop once. I mean, it wasn't like every day or anything, but 
it was not un- uncommon to hear somebody say something like that. And like that has turned like 180 degrees since then. It yeah. has. Okay. Now the way they used it, was it in a way, and I think it's important to differentiate, not, not to say it's any better or worse really, but was it in a, a way meant to be uh, pejorative towards those groups? Or was it like, uh, as you might call locker room talk, like, amongst each other because it was it was more like that it was more like i'm 13 and trying to be funny so let's see if i can shock people it was a lot of that i've almost like there's been very few occasions when i've ever heard it you know whether it was directed at a particular person or not but like in a just like outright hateful way yeah very seldom ever but well i'll tell you where you can hear that you drive drive uber and carry people from boston or long island and you, you won't hear it in the just fucking around with my buddies way. It's just straight up like they, they mean it. So I would, I'll hand you the uh, the homophobic slurs to be more common in Boston. Maybe I can hear the the f word with a Boston accent. Uh, they also like to use the r word a lot. That was huge. We with that with a Boston accent. Oh yeah, I mean, I still use that, but <laughs> amongst friends, amongst friends, we won't. Yeah. Not maybe not on a recording. I don't know. Um, I <laughs> okay. Well, now that we've got that out of the way, uh, let's. I, I'm. I definitely. I'm very curious about kind of some of your experiences within Christian culture because obviously, you know, as cities burn was a pretty big staple in Christian music, um, but maybe your experience isn't necessarily showcased as much as other people's in that world. But I, I know that yeah, ups and downs. And I'm just really interested in hearing from you what your experience with like all that was. But maybe let's just start earlier on. Um, sure. Like the kind of culture, Christian culture you grew up in and how you got involved in music and shit. Yeah, sure. Um, that's an interesting topic that I guess – probably haven't talked about that much really right i guess that's why people come here yeah to growing up christian to kind of talk about it it's like i mean i'm from the south i'm from atlanta grew up in atlanta and then moved to arkansas when i was 12 so just like you know culturally you're just christian like yeah. there's not there's no other kind of route to go you know at least during that time like i was born in 83 so like my parents went to christian college they both grew up you know religious um we Which went college to college did they go to was it one that's all around yeah lee university where scott staff went oh in, shit yeah scott in cleveland staff. yeah cleveland tennessee so are you familiar with church of god have you ever heard of that denom- yeah. denomination oh yeah so like i think their headquarters is like in cleveland tennessee it's right outside chattanooga and they have a you know they have a college um and uh church of god is like more a little more loose modern pentecostal like you don't have to really dress too weird like you can be relatively normal and participate in society uh without being like pegged oh like oh that's church of god um but same type of like super charismatic uh speaking in tongues running up and down the aisles like psycho um (laughs) healing and loud preachers what was like the ska of christianity yeah yeah that's a good uh (laughs) that's a good way to describe it so I mean, that, and that's where we went in Georgia. And that's how my, my parents grew up in church. Ago. They, like, my parents were not, like, like that at all. Uh, okay. We just kind of, like, we were Christian, but we just kind of went along with 
going to that church because they grew up going to that church and they went to a university that was from that church to now all their friends like in Atlanta like that's just where it was like social in a way sure um so we uh but then we moved to um Arkansas when I was like 12 and started going to a Baptist church a Southern Baptist church which is just chill as fuck really like you know hymns very quiet like the preacher never yells like you could you could argue he was just teaching talking um so compared to Church of God, it was actually kind of refreshing and boring. Okay. Uh, what so part by, of Arkansas are we talking about? Right outside Little Rock. Um, okay. Yeah. A, a white flight town right outside of Little Rock. <laughs> so by, <laughs> by chill, you just mean like not a lot of hooting and hollering. It's just like. None. Yeah. Like, do you know about Southern Baptist at all? Have you oh, ever? Yeah. I, okay. Dude, yeah. We went that's, to. That's we, where I started out. Okay. In, in Atlanta, actually. Gotcha. Okay. We're uh, Liberty University graduates, so we're oh we're, okay. We know all about interesting, very well, interesting. That's actually what I, I, my, when I first reached out to you, my original prompt was, um, and we'll we can get into this later. Let's we'll stick with your story for a minute. But I was in um, when you guys had Hawkboy going. I went and saw you and Emery at a what was the church, Casey? Do you remember what the church was called? Living Word. Or Cross Point was, was like Cross the Point venue. Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And, oh yeah, um, I remember that show. I had to manhandle the show promoter. That yeah, night. And that was our friend, and that's why I. <laughs> that's why I was like, oh, I would love to Sorry. hear. His... Nope, no, that is why we want to hear. I, I, I would love to hear your take on it, but we'll get. Okay. We'll save that for later. But that's why. Uh, that was my original. So being in that area and seeing that show was like, oh my god, I would love to uh, get. Lunsford on the on the call. And I got you. Hear from him on that one, but also like to hear these other things. So yeah, you grew yeah. up in. Uh, you moved to Arkansas when you were twelve. Yeah, yeah. So we were doing the Southern Baptist thing, and so I guess like all right, when you think about so where I ended up in music, um, I didn't like grow up listening to Christian music until I was like a teenager. So to brag, I guess a little bit on myself, like when Green Day came out in nineteen ninety four with Dookie. Um, like I bought that record 11 years old or something. Right. Oh yeah. And like my parents let me, let me get it. Like they let me get Dookie. I had Weezer blue album. Um, then I proceeded to get into, you know, like, so, and then how old are you guys? Like 34 years on us. 30. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So I don't know how much you remember, but like radio in the nineties, like pop music was rock music for, for a period of time. Right. Like, it was just huge. Like, Smashing Pumpkins, Oasis, yeah, yeah. Bush, uh, obviously, like, Nirvana, Weezer, all that stuff, um, Pearl Jam. So I was, like, really into just what was popular at the time with rock music. So I got super into some really cool music. I think, looking back, I think it still holds up today. I don't think it's, like... Although I did... We tried to show... We were <laughs> riding in the car the other day, Nirvana, Heart Shaped Box came on. And we were, like, Magnolia, she's nine. Like Magnolia, this was like the biggest band in the world 30 years ago. Um, like this was our, essentially like our, not our Justin Bieber, but like that culturally significant. How right. do you think of Justin Bieber being this like thing? Nirvana was like everything. And she was like listening to it. She's like, we're like, what do you think? She's like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, God damn you, bitch. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny. I feel like I... Like that's one of those things where Nirvana is one of those bands where you're not really going to find a lot of people, especially if they have like five to 10 years on me who, who got into music or played it almost 
all of them are like, yeah, Nirvana. Like, of course, Nirvana is what was huge. It was a huge influence on me deciding I wanted to do this. Um, and I just missed, like, I feel like it's almost like satanic panic where I just missed it. Uh, so mm-hmm. I don't get its influence, but it, it was a thing. And, but it's funny, man. Every, every, I feel like every musician I've ever talked to who's five to 10 years older than me is just like Nirvana and um, like Radiohead. Right. And yeah. Like, but those were like, I, I, the only Nirvana or Radiohead songs I ever would be able to tell you were the ones that were being played on the radio when I was like 13. And I, yeah. maybe it just missed the mark, but the influence it had on people and, and what it did when it came out was clearly revolutionary. Yeah. Well, and like, I don't want to be like a poser. Like, it's not like Nirvana was even my favorite band or anything. I, you know, I was the age I came into it, I was way more into like, Smashing Pumpkins. Like, they were much bigger, like, during my kind of like, oh, I'm starting to watch, you know, MTV type of years. Um, but like, Smells Like Teen Spirit, the video, like, that was in heavy rotation on MTV for years after yeah. it was like, we were well into the mid to the late 90s. And it was like, still smells like teen spirit just like yeah. always being played so like it to me i just viewed it as like a, i viewed it as like a catalyst like where it kind of moved things and then i kind of caught the like the back end i mean i did i did love nirvana and knew nirvana and knew their song yeah i wasn't like their biggest so i i was i was probably i was more like to sound even lamer i was more into the beatles like right around that time because beatles anthology came on tv which was a four-part four-hour 16 hour documentary series jesus like it like aired on like cbs or whatever like a channel like you Didn't know they you just, to like, was there like a new beatles doc that came out that was really long that everybody talked about yeah get back it's like the um them recording uh what album peter jackson put it together but oh yeah they, they had like recorded all their sessions from from that record. It's like sixteen hours long. So I, I haven't watched it. All so there's yet, two sixteen hour documentaries in the yeah. That's Pretty fucking weird. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that, that's like so. Along with all that stuff, like I was super into the Beatles and would play drums along to. I I taped the Beatles anthology TV shows and they played a bunch of their songs throughout it. And I would fast forward to get to the songs and turn it all the way up on my TV and play drums along to that. Um, so that was how things were in like 1994 or whatever year that was. So no YouTube. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but yeah, I guess all that to say, like I, I wasn't like sheltered in a sense where yeah, we were Christian, but like my dad, like listened, like secular music was not even a term in our house. Like that was, was there was just music. There was <laughs> just like, cool. well, there was really just Bruce Springsteen. Like that was it. Like that's all my dad cares about. Um, but yeah, he listened to like Springsteen and Rush and Meatloaf and rest so, in peace. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so pretty normal in that sense. So I didn't even get into like Christian culture really until I was probably fourteen, fifteen. Really? To, yeah, when I started going to like youth group, I think it's friends. so funny how that happened. Like I, how that's a culture people get. I mean, I know people get sucked into it at that age. I was like, I mean, I, I was in that culture from for my entire life. Like Steve didn't have a. Like, um, yeah. but you know, as a, as a kid, you're like, you're tasked with bringing kids to youth group. Oh uh, God. Yeah. <laughs> and I used to try, uh, I think I did a couple of times I had a couple. So I was homeschooled. Um, so I didn't have a lot of outlets to meet non-Christian kids, but like, did the amount, like as soon around like 16, 17, I started hanging out with non-Christian kids and 
couple of them came to church and stuff with me. Maybe they came to like a youth event where you'd go to the beach or some shit. But like, yeah, for it was like a couple of them. Oh, man, I was so close. I almost ruined their lives, too. But (laughs) (laughs) but it it didn't quite stick. Well, that's I I remember bringing kids to church like I I would, you know, a kid on the baseball team or whatever. Um, And like they would end up being like way more zealous than me. Like, holy shit, they really went for it here. My God. (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> like now they're ministry majors, you know, Washington Baptist University and a couple, couple of them like, and, and then he got people in and then like a so bunch of them ended up, yeah, and they ended up joining the Marines to fight Al Qaeda. Like I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like <laughs> I started a holy war. <laughs> what uh, was uh so what was the first like uh Christian media that, that hooked you? Um, that hooked me. Like, I mean, like my grandma, so I think my mom told me, told my grandma I was listening to like Coolio or something like that. Gangster's Paradise. Remember that song? That oh, was yeah. like huge. I had that CD and I think she told my grandma and my grandma bought me a DC talk tape um, to try to like it steer is. me away. And I was like, this is, this is okay. Like the free at last or uh, Jesus free. I don't know. One of those. And um, I was like, this is fine. But yeah, that didn't like hook me. Um, so really it was, it was tooth and nail, like tooth and nail, like had, freaking awesome bands and um tooth and nail and like five iron frenzy like i got into ska and so like five iron frenzy was so good like they're they were my favorite band ever for a couple years yeah where we were psychos we would drive really far to go to their concerts and uh you know all that stuff so but um five iron and supertones they were less good but good (laughs) enough for like you know our so i had a ska band we're uh Oh really? Yeah, yeah. In in Arkansas, my first band when I was fourteen. What was, was it called? Because I feel like ska band names were always ridiculous. I feel like you're you're teeing me up like you've heard me tell it before. I've but... never heard this. Okay. I swear to Christ, I've never heard. That. Okay, so we you know we were in Arkansas, right? We were called Arkansas. <laughs> That's awesome, <laughs> and it's so ska. That's so yeah. It's opportunistic. I think it's a great band name. I think it's too bad that we took it and like there hadn't been a ska band from Arkansas since that I'm aware of. And uh, they like somebody should do. Um, oh, and so we did covers, you know, but we would also like, what is it called when you like change the words to kind of like weird? Parody? Or, oh, par- yeah. no, but it, wasn't, it wasn't parody because we were trying to be serious, right? Isn't okay. There, what is it? You were trying to revamp it with Christian lyrics. Yeah, there's a word for that, and I can't remember like what it what it is. But I just remember we, that band Apologetics was okay. Like big on maybe that. that's the word. Yeah. All right. So uh, Mighty Mighty Boston's they had that song. You know, never had to knock on wood. Um, whatever. Right. So we changed. We covered that. We changed the chorus to "Never Have Been Nailed to Wood." Oh but, God. But I. <laughs> but i know someone who has and i'm sure it isn't good i'm sure it isn't never have been nailed to wood and i'm glad i haven't yet uh something something that's the salvation that i get (laughs) (laughs) i i haven't yet i like that part yeah you know if you do this right that's the natural conclusion of things yeah so there's anyway sh- did you guys i don't know if anyone watched the show at uh, the after party on apple tv ben schwartz is in it uh i was hoping somebody did because they have basically the premise of the show is like everyone goes uh what was um what the heck is it? I don't know. there's a few different comics in it either way um the idea is like somebody dies at this like 
guy's house party and each episode is someone telling their version of like what happened uh so ben schwartz is in it and his whole thing is like revolves around like the guy who died became this famous singer they all he shows up for his like high school reunion he invites a bunch of people back to his big ass house and he dies and it's like the big whodunit thing and it's a comedy and ben schwartz and that guy when they were in high school had a ska band together and i was trying to remember the name of the ska band and i can't but it was the whole like Scott, like the jokes on Scott, like ran through the entire series and it was wicked funny. That's funny. All right. I'll have to check that out. I love Scott jokes. <laughs> was, uh, was there like a lot of, was there a thriving like band scene around there? Cause I feel In like Arkansas, my yeah. little area was not like there was none basically. Arkansas had a great, um, scene and especially for, um, Christian adjacent shit. So living sacrifice, uh, solid oh, statement. Yeah. They're from there, and so they kind of, like, were that first band to be, like, nationally known, um, you know, in the metal scene. And they had, there was a venue in Little Rock called Dino's that just kind of became a, um, a really interesting hub for, like, a lot of really good bands that ended up coming through. It was just on the way from Memphis to Dallas and the Booker there. He would just, like, lowball the agents and be like, yeah, if you want to play here, it's on the way. You have a day off. Like, we'll give you, you know a door deal or whatever to play and people just ended up taking it, but it built up a really interesting scene. Um, so living sacrifice was kind of the um, catalyst for that. And then there was a producer there named Barry pointer. Um, and I guess he's still there, but he did a ton of solid state records. So he had recorded living sacrifice and tooth and nail liked what he did there. And so he ended up doing um, like Juliana theory, uh, emotion is dead. Um, he did some Zayo records, I think. He did a Haste the Day record. Um, he did As Cities Burns demo that ended up getting assigned. He mixed it. Um, so there was just this weird kind of little pocket there. You know, shows would pack out at, at Pino's. Like whoever, you know, Further Scenes Forever or Reliant K or Pager of the Line would come through and like five, 600 kids would show up. So it, it became a nice little um, place to try to, to build a scene. And so with that came a lot of local bands all you know, trying to get on the good shows to open and yeah, like, you know, played around a bunch. So cool. It's funny. Like, uh, you know, I end up working out in like Western Kansas a lot and there's, you know, towns are few and far between and they're all small. And there's like this weird thing in some of these little towns where like, you know, they don't have like this plethora of restaurants, yeah, but they always have a couple that are like homegrown, good food and it's like the whole community kind of like teams up to support them it's like everybody values yeah, this yeah. Restaurant because it's the only one <laughs> yeah you know? it's like we want something good we got just keep this place afloat yeah and i wonder if it's is there any of that to be said about like smaller cities where it feels like like the music that's there is more valued or when somebody tours through like people show up because it's the thing that they have to do I, I think so. I mean, definitely compared to like, I live in Nashville for over a decade. Like Jesus Christ. Oh yeah. Like, imagine what, what, being a local band there. Nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what venue do you even pick? Like, well, I mean, there's, yeah, there's, anyway. there's 1 million venues Yeah, and there's, you know, you can, every band is good. Like you can't be a shitty local band in Nashville. Like living somewhere like Little Rock, you have time to just kind of be shitty for a while <laughs> and, and figure it out like because you can get shows and like everybody every other band is shitty too and then there's one one or two bands that seem really good um like that was as City's burn in baton rouge like we just seemed like the best band in baton rouge 
<laughs> so, you know, we would we would get to open for national acts when they came. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I think there's truth to that. Like, if, if you don't have much going there and, like, somebody's trying to do anything, like, okay, let's let's rally around this. And then it's yeah. just like, yeah, like Nashville, it's the total opposite. Five premier acts playing every night, maybe more, at a multitude of venues. Right. Um, so, yeah, good luck. Yeah, I've never your, been in school, around. like, there were people who were, they were just like, your, you know, your folky singer-songwriter people. And they're like, yeah, my plan is to go to Nashville. And even then, I'm like, and what, stand out? I don't know what you're planning on doing. It just right. seems almost impossible. Like, my, so you saying like being somewhere where like it's there isn't a lot of notoriety for talent, if you will, but like standing out in those places might be a little more obvious. Yeah, like it's you know what are you gonna do? Like, yeah, develop a following. I mean, I get it. Like, you're say you're a you know a girl who wants to be a country singer and like you're super talented. Um, you start going singing down on Broadway and like maybe you get discovered and like those type of people often probably aren't really thinking in that kind of indie band type of way anyways, where they're like, Oh, let me try to build a fan base or something mm-hmm. like that and, and do it on my own. So, or you're a songwriter, like you're just a good songwriter and you're hoping to break in that way in Nashville. But if you're like a, a band, like, and you're thinking about moving somewhere. Uh, yeah. That's like the last place. Go. I'd, go, <laughs> I'd go somewhere where there's room to like, you know, try to figure something out and, and expand your fan base somehow, I guess. So yeah. yeah, not Nashville. So you like, you start, you find your way into some Christian music. Uh, did that, I know you said you bring some kids to youth group. Did that take hold in you pretty seriously? Were you like, I got to do Christian music. I needed to be in a Christian band. Like, did you gravitate towards that or feel like you had to for any reason? Maybe like two years, like tops. Um, yeah, I like, played on the worship team and stuff like that and was like the, my senior year of high school, like not the worship leader, but the like kind of like the band leader, you know, the worship team coordinator who I would deal with the youth pastor and deal with schedules and uh, figuring out all that shit. Um, yeah, there was some. So this is pretty embarrassing to like talk about in a way. So I was like super into baseball. <laughs> I don't think you're going to uh, surprise <laughs> We've said plenty of embarrassing things about our, uh, yeah. our times in that world. So you're you're in good company here. Well, it's embarrassing, like, the hubris of which I <laughs> entered in on this, like, musical mission. I was super into baseball, and I was really good at baseball. And, you know, I was playing high school ball and stuff um, in American Legion, which is, like, a summer. And so my whole life, my goal is, like, oh, I want to be a ball player in some capacity. Like, at, least, at that point, I was like, I, I definitely think I can get to college doing this for sure. Um, we'll see beyond that. Right. And, but when I was like 16, I got super into music and I got super into like, man, one of those fucking summer camps where they, <laughs> one of those Christian summer camps called super summer. Uh, you ever heard of that one? No, you know, it's not. everything you could imagine. I like, got in, yeah, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Kind of like that. I got, I guess you'd call it inspired. And part of it was five iron frenzy, like watching a music video of theirs. And part of it was like coming off that thing. And I just like lost this passion for baseball and was like, no, ba- who cares about that? Like, I got to like do music and like that. That's it. That's everything. Like just playing in a band. And then part of it was like, you know, that's that's got to be my mission. That's my calling. Because everybody had their fucking calling. And so if you didn't figure out your calling, you look like an asshole. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what you I mean? Had to. Yeah. 
you're like 16. It's like, so how are you going to spend the rest of your life serving Jesus? You're like, oh, yeah. Man. And like so many, yeah. So many of these people are like, yeah, I'm going to, I want to be a pastor. I'm like, this is a lot of people from one youth group to want to be a pastor. And there's also a lot of females that want to be pastor's wives. Like this is strange to me. Um, That's a funny one to me. I didn't, I, I I never met someone who was like my goal in life is to be a pastor's wife. No, you went to Liberty. Oh, you man. went to Liberty U, and you never met a pastor. I knew people wife. who just wanted to like, get married and have kids and be a housewife. I didn't run into people who were like my goal is to like that narrows the field. I mean, at least you know, like you can just like <sighs> cross out a bunch of people who were potential prospects before. Yeah, dude, at Christian summer camp, I remember we did this. They, I don't know how wild that summer camp was, but I went to a couple that were insane, like Jesus camp insane. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like night four and we're in the middle of like this three hour chapel service. Everyone's exhausted. <laughs> and they start in on this alt- altar call that, that lasts like an hour. And I remember like they, they started at the top and we're like, you know, everybody's heads about eyes are closed. And they're like, if you feel like God is calling you to the mission field, I want you to come up here and stand on stage. No one looking around, heads bowed, eyes closed. But you know, no you one can looking hear around, yeah. getting up. <laughs> yeah. And then that was one of the things they called out. Well, I guess because I feel like they would be okay with a with a girl saying she wanted to be a missionary. But I think if they would, if there was a separate category for people who wanted to be pastors, and that was obviously like an all male group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They called out like. If you feel called to be a pastor's wife, come up on stage. And a bunch of them went. What? (laughs) Oh, that's great. Dude, at Liberty there, I I remember listening to a conversation slash argument on a bus to one of my classes. And it was like, there there was a a few women who were in like the pastoral ministries degree. And they would never like tell them that they weren't allowed to do that degree. But in it, they were not particularly welcome and she was just all bent out of shape on the bus like i don't you came to a southern baptist university i'm not exactly sure what you were expecting to get out of this but you seem incredibly surprised that this isn't the place that professors just want. like she must be fishing in a stocked pond yeah <laughs> <laughs> but she's wow. just like i i don't understand all these people are like you can't be a pastor you're a woman it's like i can be a, it's like occasionally people from different denominations would show up there yeah, i think they got tricked after like a college for a weekend or something like that but jesus <laughs> <laughs> that, i mean that shit's so fucked up like there's camps and um you know, it is, and it's, it's like psychological like, warfare. Yeah, the right spot to yeah because part, manipulate. part of it was fun. Like you know, you go with your friends to like a camp and hanging out in college dorm rooms and playing games, whatever. Um, but yeah, everybody's like so emotionally manipulated. Like all that to say, when you're like asking, like, did you go through a phase where you're like that has to be your mission? By the time I like my senior year of going to that camp, I was like, this is such bullshit. I, I got over it before I went to high school. Um, I still wanted to do music, but as far as it being like a, a mission-oriented thing, that that was kind of oh really so, yeah yeah. It must have um, been funny then. That must have been weird because you were in a circle. Not necessarily everyone. I don't know what the state of everyone in SU's burn was, but I mean, you were in a circle of people where at I would I want to correct me if I'm wrong, but my assumption would be. That in the earlier days, that was probably a lot of people's feeling. I know a lot of bands fizzled out and a lot of people shifted, but in like the heyday, 
Uh, I feel like that would have been you're surrounded by a lot of people who that kind of was a, a missional thing. True or false? Yeah, um, sort of, sort of true. I mean, I think that like when I joined at Cities Burn, there was never like we didn't want to play churches. Definitely, like we didn't really want to be involved in like Christian music per se. Um, even though I mean, it's funny to say that after you sign with Tooth and Nail. Um, but but tooth and nail you know being on tooth and nail still gave you some latitude to like do others Um, for sure and you know the harsh reality was too like it's just one of those funny things where um (laughs) not to sound like oppressed or something if you write about christian themes like you do kind of get like discounted uh to a certain like section of the music industry like they sing oh christian music and it's like okay but can't people just write about like what they think about or like Right. You know what I mean? Like, what, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, our, I don't feel like our, our lyrics or anything, definitely ne- never on stage. There was nothing evangelical about what we were doing. It was really just kind of um, writing a Cody, you know, who wrote the lyrics, writing about his life uh, and how he viewed the world and, you know, um, stuff like that. So, but it's that kind of funny thing. Like, I don't know. Like, there's bands that have like, you know, missions or ethics or boy, like we're a vegan band or we're a straight edge, like whatever. And Almost like, I get than Christian bands. Really. Yeah, exactly. No, straight edge bands, yeah, <laughs> the worst. Like, and vegans, like worse than ISIS, in my opinion. I hope, <laughs> I hope neither of you are vegan. I apologize. No, I'm not. Okay. Nope. Uh, and I would Pretty. like to think that I have uh, a good enough self sense of self where I would have laughed regardless. But. Okay, good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> But yeah, Tooth and Owl kind of, they, you know, getting on a label like that, and it was a great label, and they had a lot of, like, you could still get to do a lot of cool stuff, but you're still a little bit pigeonholed, like, oh, they're a Tooth and Nail band, but, um, like, bands like Further, Seems Forever, and definitely Under Oath kind of, like, paved the way, MXPX helped, like, kind of pave the way to have that path, you know, to be able to do Warp Tour and stuff like that, but, um, yeah, Mission, I don't know, I was over it by the time, and I don't know if anybody else in the band like we weren't like witnessing to people ever or anything. Everybody like Colin, me, TJ, Cody, um, Pascal. Those were like basic. There was a drummer before me, but they were still a local band. Pascal, our bass player, was never a Christian, and so he wasn't. He just liked being in the band, and it wasn't like a mission for him at all. And it was kind of like, I mean, whatever Cody wants to write about, you write about. You guys, yeah. do the thing. Like, but all four of us, Cody, TJ, Colin, and me, I think we would all still say we're currently call ourselves christians uh re- either religiously or culturally in some way none of us have like just completely bucked that like all the way like yeah you know plenty, uh, plenty of plenty of cynicism and like annoyance and you know pretty lukewarm like it's not like i read the bible like ever but <laughs> <laughs> like I, i'm i'm still hanging on in, in a way so yeah um, well, yeah I, I, before we jump into because i am curious about that uh, and how you how or why you consider yourself what you are but before that was it i was there a point where because i think what's interesting about maybe some tooth and nail bands or people who get stuck in this idea of like a christian band is the person who writes the lyrics kind of is the one who's setting the the direction for whether or not it's considered yeah. or not. so like if i'm thinking about me without you for example right yeah. riding the christian bus like straight to success uh obviously catch for us the fox is fucking blew them up yeah brother sister come out swinging and then they drop that they're they're uh everything's crazy it's all crazy it's all false whatever and he fucking finishes the album with 
singing a song about where he references Allah, Allah, Allah over. And uh-huh. That was when I at Liberty, that was when I was at Liberty. And it was like everyone I knew who were without you fans were like, <laughs> it like, it almost tanked them in a weird way. And, it yeah. almost, and I, for all I know, I don't know anything about, about what the mindset behind that was maybe there was a level of like let's push push the self-destruct button i think Aaron's, <laughs> yeah uh, seems like the kind of guy who's just gonna say like who, who doesn't want to be for he, he wants to speak his his own mind uh but all that to say like is there a point at which it felt almost fr- did it ever feel frustrating where you're like you know, you're, you just want to play drums in a band that you think is good. And a lot of these people want to play instruments in a band that they like, and they f- almost are directed uh, by the lyrics of one person into whether or not it's Christian or you're stuck in this lane or that. Did that ever come yeah. up? I mean, no, like not, I was never frustrated. The only time I'd get frustrated when somebody would, I don't know, they might say something to me about a lyric or something. And I was like, I, I didn't write that. Like, <laughs> that's not my thought. And it's not, what I believe or like, I can't even think of a specific example, but it's just like, you know, talk to Cody about the lyrics. Like I support Cody in expressing himself artistically, no matter what it is. Like, I I don't, I would have never given a fuck what Cody, like, I don't, our hell or high water, our third record. I mean, half the songs on there were a fuck you to all the fans. And they just didn't even realize, like, (laughs) you know, it's just like, I, and I'm kind of speaking for him that my interpretation, um, is it's how I, I would look at it. So no, I, I never really cared about that. And any, you know, anytime Christian fans, yeah. Like me without you, you're saying Christian fans get fucking weird for one with weird and Christian world. There's so many denominations, right. And so many moral compasses and so many theologies, like, you know, church of Christ, people think like you're going to hell if you didn't get baptized. So it's like listening to a band and expecting them to like, hundred percent line up with your theological worldview is literally insane. Yeah. And so like when they see TJ smoking a cigarette and they lose their fucking minds because they think that's like the worst thing, a sin, whatever. And then they go burn all their ACB merch. It's like, you know, I don't know, like TJ, TJ would call himself a Christian and he feels okay about smoking that. <laughs> so like, I, what are you going to argue? Like, what is there in the Bible about smoking cigarettes? And it's just all so dumb. God, I, I, want, I want to use the R word so bad right there. They deserve <laughs> it. Those people deserve it. Um, I think, uh, well, like I was, I was probably in that camp. I mean, I don't think I would have ever said anything to anybody because I was too scared. But like, <laughs> you know, I grew up, it wasn't so much my parents. It was more like, you know, my school and my church, which were basically the same thing. But like, yeah. uh, I was like very only Christian music all the time. That was all I would listen to. And like most of my friends were in the same boat. And I think part of where that comes from is like, we got just hammered about music all the time. Yep. But like, you know, one of the, the school competition things, it was like a camp, but basically like they, every year they would have a sermon or two about like music. And it would start off by like, you know, well, maybe you say I like, I like rock and roll and I like it. And then they would go through all the reasons that that was bad. And it would slowly like work its way down to the point where they were talking about contemporary Christian music, which was what they grouped everything that was good into. And then they would even hammer on like Southern gospel as being like wrong to listen to and stuff. Okay. They were crazy about it. So, but so you, uh, we were like, 
well, you can you can sing, you know, any type of music if you're glorifying God with it. And and I think for for us, it was like it was not so much about the band, probably as like this sort of like selfishly protecting this like one little area of freedom that you have. I got you. But I think I got uh, like we were so weird about it. Even if we if a band came out with a song that was like seemed like it was about like a romance or something like that we would like raise an eyebrow at it like, uh, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really seem like it's about God, it, it, which is it's so stupid, but that's just how we thought at the time. You know, I didn't break out of that until I was like 20. That 20 not bad. 20 not bad. There's a lot of psycho ex-Christians that it took them till like 28, 29 when, you know, Trump got elected and they all of a sudden became like, <laughs> heroes of the marginalized um in the year before they were literally in like ywam so 20 like <laughs> am i wrong where's the lie no uh, that's true <laughs> no 20 tw- i'd say 20 i i you know congratulations i think that's a nice exit exit point like <laughs> you know you're yeah. like I, I yeah i would commend you that, that's nice so did you ever get like like aggressive confrontation from like the adults in the room i mean was that ever a you know i brought my youth group here and you're you know oh like at our shows or something like that like yeah i I don't remember we avoided those situations pretty well because we just didn't play those types of places we did have um (laughs) uh here's our moral compass and ethical um you know uh i don't know what you want to call it standard or ethical standard we got invited to play in Puerto Rico and we knew it was like an ultra Christian thing. We're like, yeah, we're from Puerto Rico. Like we're going to take the money, <laughs> go, <laughs> go to the beach. Um, but it was, it ended up being a massive mistake. You know, we, um, this was, we had just got, got done recording come now sleep. And so it was almost like this, like that was a gruesome, not gruesome, a grueling. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nobody had their arms chopped off. Um, it was a grueling process, making that record, writing the record, uh, coming off, you know, our good friends like suicide, like influenced that entire record. Like it was a rough year, year and a half. We're like, all right, we're going to Puerto Rico, you know, a couple weeks after this record's done. Uh, this is going to be great. And we get down there and it's just this, this weird, like church youth group, psycho Puerto Rican evangelicals, like getting up in the middle of our set and like preaching, like all this crazy shit, like an all, you know, an altar call in the middle of the set, in the middle of the set. Um, like he did this shit where he was like, like, uh, who, who in this room has never told a lie? And no, like, the Kirk yeah, Cameron uh, approach. Fun. Yeah. 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 And then like, if he's like, all right, if you didn't raise your hand, you just lied and you're sinning and you're going to go to hell if you don't do this, this, this. And we're just like, Jesus Christ, this is terrible. Um, and he finally got out, like, I think Cody got him to like, be, we were like, okay, that that's good. We're done. We're good. And then Cody said something super profound and like nice and loving, like very as, <laughs> as decent of a Christian as you could possibly be. Like basically like, hey, we don't believe any of that. And it's like, we're just happy you're here and we love you. And God does love you um, if you're interested in that type of thing. And it was really sweet, but it was like, just salvage. Like, yeah, I know. But they like, it was that from the beginning was a nightmare because we came and we had this condo that they had for us, you know, a three bedroom condo. None of us were married at the time. Um, and a couple of people brought their girlfriend 
and they fucking lost their shit <laughs> that we brought oh, our man. girlfriends. Yeah. And like, I'm not kidding. Like there was no shenanigans planned. Like it wasn't like we weren't like, okay, yeah, you and your girlfriend can have this room. Like the girls were literally just going to gonna stay in their own room and we were going to stay in the others. Like we were keeping it pretty on the low. Like yeah, the girl we party. No, yeah, we weren't planning some orgy. We weren't planning like, oh, this is, yeah, this way you guys can get laid on this Puerto Rican trip. No, like, it was just totally normal. Like, we're just hanging out like adults, adults in their mid-20s. And they fucking lost their shit. They're like, they can't stay in the condo. They can't ride in the rental car. We got you. Like, it was psycho. The rental car? Yeah, because they had us a rental car. They're like, you can't. You can't let them in. The- we did not. You did not ask if you could bring your girlfriends. This is sinful or something. You know, like just some dumb shit. It's so so I think he was hoping to bang one of you guys or all of you guys. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, I, and it was so funny because they had brought other tooth and nail bands down and taken them on all these excursions. And like we just like we were like, all right, let's just go our separate ways here. We'll play our play our shows and because there was like two or three shows at the same church and. Um, we didn't see him the whole time. We didn't go to the forest. We just sat on the beach and went to bars every night. So <laughs> insane. You guys yeah. sinned so bad. They yeah. shut down the funding for the uh, music ministry after you guys left. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised they even paid us. So yeah, they um, just take back on their guarantee. That would have been yeah. ridiculous. But that that's definitely the weirdest, like, you know, weird Christian adult shit we probably ever ran into that I can. I'm sure there was something else, but we we really were pretty good about avoiding that because um, it just yeah thought it was dumb. So, dude, so you guys, what one of the things I've always kind of been curious about is why or how. So after it was after Hell or High Water that you guys like technically called it. You you actually did call it quits after that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You officially did, did break. Okay, yeah. and, but then you had. Um, the you what were the two albums? I already met Hawk Boy. You got so what what how did Hawk Boy start? Why did like what what happened there? I, I've always been curious because the music is honestly you can't even find it anywhere. Why it's not on yeah. Spotify. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's literally been like wiped from the annals of history, and I want to know why. But I do I actually just made this plea on a recent episode. Uh, because I have one of those old like iPod minis, the little square ones, but it is a touchscreen and I don't have a charger for it, but I know yeah. the two Hawkboy EPs are on it. And that's the only way I'll ever listen to them again is if somebody can send me one of those chargers. Okay. So one, I think you can find Hawkboy on SoundCloud if you search for it, right? <laughs> if you search by like song names and stuff like that. Really? Um, yeah, I think you can still find it. Um, and then I'll, it's not on Spotify or anything like that because I have no idea who owns the masters and where they are or who there was a lot of weird business shady shit there um, that we don't have time to get into because they would like, it's just complicated. But basically the guy who like put that stuff out, like I have no fucking clue. Like if, if that stuff was sold to somebody or like, cause you know, when you do a, a deal with somebody like they, owned the masters to the recording yeah was it with a label kind of yeah kind of so it was like a a loose kind of label thing where we were splitting some stuff and it, it was pretty you know in terms of record contracts go it was pretty tame and like the money was supposed to be pretty pretty even on both sides but the the dude was pretty shady in the end not that there was much to make anyways but yeah was this so because scooter of, brown <laughs> yeah yeah 
Uh, I'm a Scooter Braun um, apologist, so, but <laughs> nobody put a gun to Taylor's head. Nobody put a gun to Taylor's head. I don't know if, uh, I, I don't know if this is anything you can speak to, but was there, did, was Hawk Boy and what you guys put out, did it have anything to do with any like contractual obligation to put out more music with As Cities no. Burn? Okay. No, no. So we, Hell or Hot, we had a three record deal with Tooth and Nail and, um, yeah, we, finish that so hawk boy was like our chance to do whatever the fuck we wanted um okay we didn't do a good job with that if we had been smarter in a lot of ways there's a lot you could go into you know it's like cody probably never really wanted any real big success with music anyways like um so taking the steps to actually make that happen were were hard for him i think um Mm -hmm. all i wanted was to be in the biggest band in the world like just all i cared about uh, I mean, I would play in Nickelback to this day. I don't give a fuck. Like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, getting paid to play drums, which is like, regardless. Uh, bonus points if you can make cool music. It's the way I viewed it. So, yeah, Hawkboy was like me and Cody kind of just ended up back in Nashville. Like, we both moved to Nashville the same week without even, like, talking about it or planning it. It was like, oh, really? kept, yeah, it was like I was moving from Baton Rouge. He was moving from, he had moved up to Spokane, Washington. And um, he had gotten married and we were texting. He was like, yeah, I'm moving to Nashville. And I was like, oh, no shit, me too. And so we can't help but get together and like try to like make some music or something. And then I can't help but try to make that into a band and like a business and like get on tours and try to make it go. Um, and then Cody probably reluctantly follows. Along. So that's how it goes. And it's a recipe for disaster, really. I guess it's the best way I'll put it. Yeah, Cody had songs to write, and uh, I don't know. I thought Hawk Boy was some of the coolest shit we ever did. Um, I loved it. It's funny because it was so. I mean, it was it was a detour, but it was similar, but still a detour. It was almost. It was more similar to like Hell or High Water than anything else. But I'm like, yeah, yeah. It felt like a cool continuation. Uh, I actually, to this day, still forget sometimes if a song was on a, a Hawk Boy album. Or if it was on Hell or High Water. Well, whatever Cody does sounds like Cody. Like, that's just his style, his guitar playing style, and, you know, his vocals. They just, it's yeah. signature in a way. It's like Dave Bazan solo, or just picture the line. Like, <laughs> <give me a> break. <laughs> like, I'm fine with you calling it Dave Bazan. I get what you're doing. But, you know, there's no difference. So, um, yeah, like, yeah, and everything we ever did, like Hell or High Water coming out sleep, Silly Ave, like none of them sound the same really to me, but they're continuations of each other. Like we just self-sabotage every time. Like if you're if we're all know a good thing, we're like, eh, let's do something different, I guess. Let's alienate let's alienate half of our fucking fan base every time. Like in you know. People are so hostile about it too sometimes. Like <laughs> Yeah. When when a band makes like a change, it's like you know, I, I'm sure that there's a lot of bands that don't want to put up the same album over and over again. I mean, like the one that always hits me is like uh, when he is legend put out suck out the poison. Mm-hmm. I remember people having like this visceral reaction to it and they just like, it wasn't that they didn't like it. They, they hated it. <laughs> I, I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. I liked what the, it? like Southern rock album. But weren't they always Southern Rock? Did they do something that was so... Di- I don't... You know, I didn't really keep up with their discography. We toured with them on the I Am Hollywood record. And I Am Hollywood was like the one that they got... That kind of blew up on back in the day. And I yeah. think like 
it was a departure from that, and the guy's voice sounded a lot different, but yeah, it's good. Like, all they've done is good. It's same with Norma Jean. I think, like, when they went from, uh, oh, the Anti Mother came out, and I just remember people being like, I hate it. Oh, it's awful. I hate it. And it's not bad. I mean, it's especially, I go back and listen to it, but it was like a lot different than, uh, you know, the one before that with like blueprints for future homes and stuff okay. on it. Well, I mean, under oath, like they're, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, when they came back, like they basically put out like a new metal record and people. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend like I wasn't on the, I hate this train for erase me. <laughs> Look, it's not my jam by any means. I get it. I get it. I also get what they're trying to do and think they were largely successful at it. So, yeah, Uh, I think also what's funny is like bands don't want to. It's like if if you make the same album, people are like, man, they they got to diversify. Then you do something different. They're like, I like their old shit. I don't know why they just do what they're good at. (laughs) Yeah. The key is, you know, you need to make the same shit like two or three times, which is not what we did. We're like. Cause that's how you get big, <laughs> like do the same shit, at least like two records in a row. So you can sell more records and like sell more tickets, but yeah, you, yeah, need, a, we, you need a meteora after a hybrid theory, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so like, that's the smart thing to do. I mean, Coldplay did that with, um, you know, uh, parachutes into, um, their second record. What was that second record called? can't believe I can't remember the name of it. Rush of Blood to that. It was like, okay, this sounds like Coldplay. This is basically the same. Like, good on you. And then they waited till Viva La Vida to, like, become a pop band. Um, <laughs> but it worked out It worked out fine. Good. Like, people were ready for a change. And then it worked out okay. Um, Did Christian, you but Christian people are, like, the worst about it, for sure, though. Like, they yeah. don't. Yeah, they're less forgiving, ironically, right? Yeah, like, exactly. know, The whole Jesus Christ thing. But <laughs> <laughs> So, do you guys only do... Go ahead, Casey. Well, that's what I was curious. Like, it sounded like your your relationship to Christianity changed a lot over time. Like, how did that shift? I mean, you went from being like very into it, like early high school to kind of falling out of the like, you know, the caricature of Christianity that that most of us were in the in the youth group days. Yeah. No, I think that I just, like? well, I think I just started to realize how worthless Christian culture is like. I mean, it is literally, it is just a dumpster fire of shitty shit. Like, <laughs> you know, as far as music goes, you know, the only highlight really is like the tooth and nail world. Like that's where at least all the people who actually gave a shit about trying to do good music went um, if they were Christian. And so like, yeah, everything about Christian culture is bad. It's, you know, pastors are bad. Like churches are bad. <laughs> like for all the good- rock. Yeah, it's like, you know, you look at it, if you, you know, look to the core of it, and maybe, I don't even know how to get into it, I'm too stupid to even talk about the Bible or theology or Jesus, um, and don't even ever think about it. Um, But it's like, there's some good stuff there somehow, like the idea of community and the idea of a shared, you know, moral set of values or or something like that. And um, we just like fuck it up so bad that it's like not worth engaging with or being a part of. So the only reason I'm thinking about taking my kids like back to church in Salt Lake is like, just don't want them to end up fucking Mormon somehow. Like, (laughs) like I'll take, (laughs) I'll take evangelical Christianity over that (laughs) for sure. So, you know, like I, they'll find their way to the other side of it. And I can probably mitigate the abuse because um, I understand it, right? And uh, 
I love that. Still got my the new favorite on take on why you just do it. No, uh, there's something to it. Socially and culturally, you could argue there's something to it, especially depending on where you live. Like, you know, I'm in Salt Lake City. Like, somebody's going to get them. And so <laughs> I'd rather be something I understand and know how to navigate and um, can help them come out on the other side of <laughs> so I, I get what you, what you mean, though, but like the – like there's there's great elements there and a lot of it has to do with community and the support network and so you know the things that the things that mormons do pretty well are what christianity should do a better job of yeah yeah the ultimate like representation of like the part of that christian culture that just sucks is apologetics yeah it's like this this oh, yeah. impulse to like explain everything in the world with scripture. And if you know it good enough and you can argue it well enough, like then you have, then you're, you've got real faith. You're going to convince people to, you know, that's your evangelism is just being right. Yeah. And it just sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. And then at the same time, like I think about every close friend of mine I have in my life grew up Christian or is Christian in some way. Right. Like every, every one of them. Isn't that weird? Isn't yeah. that funny? And like, we're all kind of this case for me too, really. It's like, and there is that shared experience and the bonding over the bullshit of it. Like, yeah. And we are I, in America. Like, obviously, you know, it's, it is a Christian country in culturally yeah. in, in many ways and the history and everything. But yeah, like. But one of the things <laughs> that comes up a lot is like, for us that we've, we've talked about is like, if you are, if you were like in a, if you went to a bar and you found out that dude who is sitting next to you, like grew up evangelical, you'd close the fucking place down. Just sharing stories and talking about it. Like instant friends, you'd have a million things to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. I, I, I honestly feel like for me with having my, a lot of my close friends having that background is like, I mean, it, it, it impacted so much of our lives. Like there's no getting around how much of it is like still in us or how much of even watching modern day anything like you, you can, you almost still look at it reluctantly through that lens. There's like, I look at it through, through a new lens, but also symbiotically, like there's this, I'm considering how the, my evangelical counterparts are considering what's going on too. Like yeah. I almost can't separate myself from that. Uh, and I, I feel like having people who understand like that inner monologue or just that weird shit, just any of the goofy shit or like so much of who I am was in it where you're like talking about being homeschooled and home churched and insulated in a weird way. It's like the only people who can understand that like are going to really know me. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird when you meet somebody that had no exposure to it whatsoever. It's like, where do you even, begin to there's this obvious disconnect um it's usually people from like you know seattle or portland or something <laughs> these unchurched places they, they like culturally don't even really know what it is it's people it's so weird to me yeah like, even if you you know didn't grow up in church like if you grew up in tennessee or georgia or alabama you're gonna get something about it like you know it's gonna make sense or you're gonna have a grandma or family members that were in it so but it's yeah. funny that there's like West Coast places where it's just like zero exposure. I know. It's like, wow, what an interesting like upbringing. So you, I mean, it's funny because you're like you, you've mentioned not real. You don't read the Bible. You don't know how to talk about Jesus. You don't go to church, but somehow you still might probably <laughs> maybe consider yourself a Christian. What's yeah. going on there? And like, why do you feel 
why do you feel like you might still do that? Um, what, like, what's your thoughts on all this now? Okay. Well, the problem is I feel like embarrassing sounds crazy. The problem is I feel like I've had spiritual experiences. <laughs> and so it's just like, there's been some shit that felt too real that wasn't in a scenario where I felt like I was being manipulated emotionally um, by anybody else that I was like, it gives me some sense of something to hang on to for some reason and could totally be wrong. Uh, There's definitely a fear of like, I don't know, Pascal's wager a little bit, right? Like there's a little bit of that. Like uh, I'm, I'm not ready to completely abandon or say this or that. Like I don't need to be, fucking bill maher and just like full-blown like <laughs> nope. for the record nobody needs to bill maher to be bill maher not even bill maher hey all right well we could do that in another podcast i'm a i'm a, also a bill maher apologist but whoa i've never oh, met one before. that's like i take, yeah. like you just met a unicorn <laughs> can we spend the rest of it forget fuck christian shit let's talk yeah. about bill maher. no <laughs> um i i love bill maher for for different reasons uh, than maybe people might think but i don't know yeah i i don't know just kind of just barely hanging on and it is such a big part of my past and it's like i'm not convinced that there's nothing there i'm not can i'm not convinced that there is no god and i'm not convinced that the whole jesus thing's not real so um i'm not gonna like switch to a different religion and i don't find a whole lot of value in just like oh i am an atheist because i don't even that would be disingenuous because I, I wouldn't feel so confident in going that route <laughs> so there's just some things. Just it's like, just eh. like a re- almost like a reluctant, like I'm along for this ride still for the time yeah, being. Yeah, like all all the things that are the downside of it, I feel like I've like pretty much purged from my life for the most part, and or at least know how to keep them at bay. You know, if we start going back to church, like I know how to not be manipulated by a sermon, <laughs> or you know yeah. what I mean. Like I can oh. just I can just exist in that culture. Uh, and maybe find some benefit um, that works for me and my family. Do you feel like it, like, I mean, you seem like someone who's unapologetically yourself, which I think is a positive. Do you think that you, that no matter where like, you would probably do that regardless of what, if you find yourself back in church, would you find yourself just being yourself? And do you think you'd find yourself having a difficult time, even building the, the positive, positive aspects of it, like community, because Maybe I, that isn't as I feel like there is a level of you have in certain spaces you have to like yeah make it I don't know so in Salt Lake I think they'll take whoever they can get here in a, <laughs> in, a in an evangelical church um, I think that to give some credit to some churches or communities or the at least the people everybody that I still know that actually still goes to church like that I would hang out with you know they're not so different than me anyways. Like, it's not like curse words and drinking are like a thing, you know? Yeah. And this is like a dumb, like I was hanging out with a friend the other night. Um, Oh, uh, Colin from Mass City's part. He lives here. And I was hanging out at his house and um, a person from his church who might work at that church was there and like, you know, was like having beers. And that's not like the, Oh man, what a cool, what a cool guy. He'll drink beers. But yeah, we've come a long way in some sense. Like when I was growing up in church, there was no chance that a pastor would have ever been caught dead drinking a beer in front of anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's that just wasn't a thing. Or laughing at a crude joke, or not not 
I mean, they did. I mean, my pastor as a kid was fucking a secretary. So that was in private. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as long as no one sees. But isn't that the funny thing? It's just like, you know, that that is what. And that's why I'm, you know, as far as church goes, you know, this is all Fugazi like bullshit. Who are these people that are so important that need to be telling me this stuff? Like they, yeah, I would have been okay with it. He's like, if he preached, well, yeah, I'm totally banging my secretary, and you know, I know I shouldn't be, uh, but I just can't uh, stop that pussy so good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah like so. I, I think it's probably easier to to find your way. And there's so many options for churches now. Like you know, if you're gay, you can find a church now. Like if you yeah. live in a if you live in a big city, like. There's a church where, like, you can be gay and not just like, oh, it's okay if you're gay, but you can't do this. Like, no, you can just go be fully gay, like, in a church now, for sure. Um, that is, that does it. So, in that sense, probably a little bit easier to, to go in and uh, be yourself and, I don't know, be crude or whatever. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think I would be able to tolerate, like, a small group, like, bullshit. Like, I think I would just be who I am now yeah. and, and not. And if I get kicked out, then okay, whatever. Which so. we've we've talked about this too, but the the, uh, the the funny idea of getting kicked out, like they can be like, look, I don't think, look, we we don't like the way that you talk, and you don't seem willing to change that, so we we're going to ask you to not show up. But yeah. you can still show up. You could do that if you wanted, and make yeah. everyone else uncomfortable. That's, yeah, my dream is for people to move in that direction, to be like, look, it's funny that you think you can kick me out of church because you can. <laughs> Call the cops, motherfucker. As Call it the turns cops. out, you'd have to be very committed to the idea. To yeah, try to explain to the cops why you're kicking this guy out. <laughs> I think, like, I, I, I get where you're coming from in that I feel like generations past have valued that, like, weird, thin veneer of, like, cleanliness. Mm-hmm. Like you clean up on Sunday and you put on a suit and you go to church and you say, Hey, good to see you, brother. Good to see you, brother. Happy uh, fellowshipping with all you people. Like, and I mean, I, I don't, I don't value that at all. I was like, my, my wife and I were talking about on the way up here. Uh, you know, she's a part of this other, you know, subculture. And there's just a lot of this performative, you know, morality expression, like virtue signaling. Yeah, in that community, you know, and it's not everybody and it's not that everybody I don't think it always comes from a place of like self-aware, ugly lying. I think sometimes people try to put their best foot forward like they want to they want to be that person who is that compassionate about things and that excited about this issue that's happening or whatever. But it's just maybe I'm cynical from growing up the way that I did and seeing things go down the way I did, but I just don't buy it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I don't buy that everybody is this sincere about everything all the time. And I would rather you just talk about the things that you're sincere about in that way. And, and I mean, and that's kind of how I feel about church. And it, it's the same way. I mean, you know, everybody's got a guy at work or something that like just really overplays it on the like patriotism card. Yeah, yeah. And they just like lay it on so thick. And you're like, dude, I, I just... I, I don't buy this. Like, and I, I get that you value that. I don't value that. Like you can just be, you can just tell me what you actually think, or we can just not talk at all. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. that. I like just not talking at all to a lot of people. That'd be great. There's, I mean, I think a lot more people should disengage and I don't think that that would make us, 
And if you're like, oh, we need to talk about these things, like, yeah, sure, okay. Um, but also, if, like, everybody just kind of minded their own fucking business in general, like, <laughs> I think our country might be a lot better off instead of, like, always fighting about everything. Like, if we, can't, if we can't just talk about it, like, like, all right, you guys are fucking crazy, and you think I'm fucking crazy, so um, let's do it. Just, we'll both just be in our own corners here. We'll be fine, and uh, let's, just agree, let's just agree that, like, U.S. military fuck some people up if anybody tries to attack us. All right. Can we move on from there? Like, <laughs> yeah, there's like this. I, yeah, because it almost feels like everyone's screaming. So that way they think that they'll change other people's minds. And we, we know that it's not working that way. Like I, I'm pretty sure all of us right here could admit that the, any, the only time we've really changed our minds is from like consistent conversations with people we thought cared about us. Yeah. Um, and then you change a little bit here. Then. Time, Someone and, you time and time and life experience. too. Yeah. It's, experiencing things but uh, it's not it's, you know it's just not someone on twitter telling you right you're an awful person because you said x y and z or the whatever. apologetics approach to yeah any of those issues so they, they dude and it's funny because like we've talked a good bit about how the left and the right like you know we grew up in like the ultimate cancel but like the left play but like the left just stole a lot of of uh evangelicals like biggest plays and yeah big just, time now it's just that it's just that back and forth. And I think for those of us who grew up in evangelical Christianity, I think we're all particularly tired of like the pageantry of, and the way that everyone's just like screaming at each other. It's like, we get it. We grew up in that. And it's just fundamentalism from the opposite perspective. And we're just Dude, fucking tired of fundamentalism. Thank you so much for saying that. Uh, <laughs> so a few years ago, ex evangelical, was like a big thing on Twitter that was like a hashtag. Yeah. Um, it was like a whole community, right? And I'd like argue with these, a lot of these people for fun or troll them or just be an asshole for no reason. But like, because they, they were my people. They're crazy ex-Christians who got woke or got whatever they got. Like, they're the people that were in the YWAM the year before. And it was really with Trump. When Trump came around, this, this stuff all... But I was like, can't you guys see you're just pulling from the bullshit you did that when you were a Christian? Like, you're the same person. You haven't dealt with that fundamentalist nature. Like, you discovered, you know, liberalism and progressivism and wokeism and, like, all this stuff. And you're just weaponizing it again. Like, you're weaponizing your ideology to just, like, you know, get rid of people and dismiss people and be an asshole. Um, so it, it's real funny. And Christian, yeah. Ex-Christians that are now like ultra um, progressives, God, that is what a recipe for disaster. If they've never dealt with what was at the, they, yeah. those people are prone to want to be in a cult, basically. Like, yeah, that's in their DNA and they just switch and they just can switch ideology and grift off of it too. Then you have the grifter class of the, the people that, ri that rise above on Twitter with the followers. So now they can grift the rest of them like a pastor or, you know, whatever a, a spokesperson thought leader yeah yeah, and yeah they, it's, they can... it's really wild it is it it's exactly what you're saying like the the undealt with fundamentalism like fundamentalism is a mindset it's a disposition it's it's a way of existing in a world where you need this like absolutism levels of certainty but like and i'm not saying you can't be confident in what you believe and that you can't have true strong solid convictions uh, yeah that you can't have that moral shift that, but you can tell the difference. You really can. You can tell the difference between somebody who has, who has done the work, 
come out in a different place and is trying to talk to somebody as though they care about them. Yeah. Versus just screaming into the void in the same way that we experienced screaming into the void or preaching to the choir as kids. I think think there's an element too of like, you know, you change your mind about things and realize like how wrong and how like pompous you were about some of that stuff. And there's like an, there's an element of like embarrassment to, you know, like I just, I, I remember like this one specific moment, my first year of college where, I mean, I was, I was homophobic for sure. And I remember I, I had, said something to a friend of mine on a trip about a person and she just like laid into me she's like what because it was so unprovoked it was unnecessary there's no reason for it it was performative in a douchebaggy evangelical homophobic way you know and she's just like what is wrong with you like why would you do that why would you say that about that person they're not they didn't talk to you they didn't approach you like where do you get off just like throwing that at somebody and like it embarrassed me and i didn't it didn't I didn't change my mind about those things for a, a number of years, but like that was a point at which I started to think like, maybe I should chill out on this. Like maybe I should stop being so obnoxious. About it. And I get like changing your mind about something yeah. and looking back at former you and just being embarrassed. And it's like, you want to display like, I'm not that anymore. Just so you know, I'm not that I'm with you guys. I'm with all of you guys on this, but like, I don't know. It's a, it's like an impulse that you got to, con- you have to recognize and try to control, you know? Yeah. 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 My, I, uh, I get that. while we're doing embarrassing stories, I remember I had a, an abortionist homicide t-shirt and, um, <laughs> yeah, fucking kill me. I, um, and I wore that. I was hanging out with a friend. Also this friend that I was hanging out with was gay, but in the closet at the time. And I had definitely said, well, I definitely said a lot of things about, whether or not it's okay to be gay in front of him that I had to reconcile later on and come to terms with the fact that he ultimately didn't talk to me anymore because he knew that if he came out by the time he came out, I would have been like, look, don't worry about it. But he had enough experience with me where when he was had come out to his close friends, he really decided that it wasn't a good idea to be friends with me anymore. Yeah. Uh, And finding out that I was like, Oh, you got the kind of guy you can tell stuff to. I put it, I, I was pretty hurt and I should have been like that. And that was a wake up call for me, but I was with, I only thought about that. Cause I was with this kid when we went to one of his friend's house and I was wearing that shirt and she was all like, she fucking gave me the, and you know what my default was? It was just like, I, I just default. I guess this, this is I, what persecution looks like <laughs> for sure. But this idea of like, well, I know I'm right. I know, I know, because the Bible, I know I'm right. She's like, well, I know I'm right. Well, I know I'm right. And it was like this back and forth. Like, are you, I mean, too, are, are you fucking stupid? Like I, I looked after I left that conversation, I was like, I need to come up with a new way to do this. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> that's a very, but that, that's very um, relevant. What you're saying there. Like it always gets, but like, you know, Hitler like thought he was doing like a really good thing. Right. Yeah. Like people, people tip- think they're right. People typically aren't acting like it, acting in the interest of like they're not Doctor Evil, right? They're not like actually like always trying to be evil. That's not, of course Hitler was evil, and may, maybe he thought like, "Ooh, this is a good evil thing." But he thought he was doing something good in his fucked up mind. He thought it was right and good, and that's a lot of. I think that's a lot of people. You can the abortion thing, like right now. Pro, pro-life people, pro-choice people, like they both think they're really, really right in doing the good thing. 
so where do you, I, I tried to explain that to somebody the time. They were like talking about, you know, I don't see how you could be pro-life. I was like, listen, they literally believe it's murder. Like, yeah. so you could see how they can. If you believe it was murder and you're murdering a baby, you could see how it's pro which I think you are murdering a baby, but you should be able to do it. So that, that's my <laughs> stance. Jeez, that's what hell honest, honest to God. And <laughs> that's just what I think. So like abortion <laughs> is homicide. Yes. And also go for it. Um, I wish we had more time to unpack this. That's like hot take number four. Yeah. I, I feel like it's the most reasonable take, really. Like I feel like everybody else is like, Hey, come on, let's be a little more honest about what we're talking about. Like, <laughs> you can't say there's not some life. Come on, there's a little bit of life happening, depending on when you, um, really from the beginning, there's a little bit of life happening. That's so, a, I mean, I think what's so funny, yeah. I, I mean, at, I, my stance on that has, has for a little bit been like, at some, there's a point in which it's a gray area. And whatever that sure. point is, you can't legislate based on, you can't legislate anything based on gray areas. If it's a scientific or philosophical gray area, you just got to like... It's tough. You just got to let it go. But... I, <laughs> I think... <laughs> yeah, no. Let me, dude. That's a, that's a bit. Get back and stand up. I know no, you I mean, at one point. I mean, I, listen, I've felt that way for a long time. That is also, though, you know, Louis C.K. had that before he... Oh, did he? Yeah. Like, that, I mean, I'm not... That is how I feel and have, have felt. But he had a bit that was similar to that. Like, talking about how killing a baby like it is killing a baby and also you should just be able to kill me for sure so um but like no list like that but what we're talking about like that morality thing if somebody walked up to you right now and they didn't give you any context like dude there's this country like they're literally murdering millions of babies like actual babies they're murdering them you think oh my god like we gotta do something we gotta do something about that like we gotta stop it how is that not illegal like yeah it, it's legal to do it right so that that side that's literally how they view it like yeah is legal to murder babies and so um right or wrong that type of just like okay that (laughs) my mom probably thinks that my mom's not a bad person for thinking that somebody's murdering babies no like that's not a bad person you you could also just go in the direction of if if you if so if you met someone and they were like i'm okay with murder you'd be like that's a problem and then (laughs) you you have to just get to the point where you're defining well, we don't agree like, on the yeah. We don't agree on the definitions. Like, ironically, those a lot of pro-lifers are also pro-death penalty. So the, which I, it that really bothers me, and I and I have a hard time. I much more accept a pro-life position, like a hardcore pro-life. If I also like, okay, but how do you feel about the death penalty? Like, yeah, obviously that's bad too. Like, let's just not kill people. Right. Right. So, um, I think have, if they follow the logical conclusion to the end, it's easier to stomach their position and have a conversation with them. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. But that's like neocon Christian fundamentalism. With that, I think that's another thing too. Like, that's what's kind of like hard about some of the abortion stuff when you're reading it is like, especially coming from the the evangelical crowd. There's like a there's an impulse right now to frame that pro life mentality as like they don't actually believe this is life. They just want to control women and like. Yeah, I mean, if you if you lived in that community, like they they absolutely do. Like there is a fundamental like disconnect there. Yeah, that that you're just not going to bridge. But I think like best case scenario, I think evangelicals look at it and they say, okay, we think this is murder. 
is legislation the best way for us to advocate for our position here? Yeah, yeah. Well, the the politi- the, the the sad thing about it is that both political parties are playing both sides at the same time because they both want to be able to run on the issue. So yeah, oh, yeah. Well, that's really <laughs> like that's the, broken. Was it breaking points system. had like the broke down like every single time that Democrats held enough of a majority that they could have yeah. like had yeah, it yeah, tried, yeah. and they've just one of which tried. is a super majority. Yeah, it's like they had like two times they had like the Senate and the House. One of the times they had a super majority, and then every time they decided it wasn't really worth their time to codify in the law. So yeah, that video of Elizabeth Warren walking out of wherever she was just hot about it, like fucking like we got to vote, you got to show up. I'm like fuck you, like you won the last election, like you control everything right now, like shut the fuck up, like this is so dumb, like no. Oh, it's so frustrating. This has nothing to do with Christianity even. It's just like... <laughs> we, it's blatant what, at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, what, what are we doing? Like, and you feel yeah. bad. Like, I, I kind of feel bad for, you know, the, you know, uh, pro-choice, like, you know, uh, activists. Like, they're very passionate about it, obviously. And they got the pro-life activists. And it's like, you're just both getting played. Like, you're just both fucked. So, <laughs> let's just kill it's the true. babies and judge i say we i'm, I'm i Kill love them all let god sort them out in the end the, the, the terrorist approach i like that exactly exactly so it's 2001 and we're heading into karachi or something like that you know perfect i love it's it terrorist ethics i terrorist ethics on a board I, why not that's a good way to go I, we've had you here for a while uh, I do want to talk about this one show real quick. Okay. Yeah. Let's <laughs> get into I, it. I have to, I've, I've, I'm not kidding, dude. I have had it in my head since the day this, it's been a decade. It's been a fucking decade since. Okay. Well, and, I'd like to hear how you even know about yeah. what. Okay. Cause so we can buddy. leave, we can leave our buddy's name out of it. Uh, I don't remember his name, but go ahead. All right. We I, love I, think, him, I have him on the phone the right now. Let's, we're bringing him on the breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I have no, like, we I have absolutely no, love him. I have and, no bad uh, blood. I, I would love to talk to that guy. That'd be hilarious. I'd love actually, it. I'll be real honest. What I think is funny, one of the things I've come to realize that I think is funny is I think some of his, I, I think you both have similar personality types, which I think is why <laughs> think you so might too. have clashed so hard. That's the theory. <laughs> Of mine, I don't even feel like we clashed so hard. I fucking won every clash we had that night. <laughs> so like, I just dictated what was going to happen, and it happened. But go ahead. <laughs> but it was. I mean, yeah. I, I was just like, I, I all I really know about it was after the show, I had said something about that was great, and uh, I maybe I think I posted on Facebook about it, and then he commented and was like, "Oh yeah, it was great, except for the drummer was an asshole," uh, and it was. Then I, I I talked to him later on about like what had happened. Basically, it, I all I know is it came down to like he was like yeah here's a guarantee, but then you know it wasn't really a guarantee because there wasn't enough ticket sales or something like that, and it just came down to him thinking he might have owed you less money than he promised you, uh, and thinking he was right about it. That was what I interpreted from the conversation. It's and- funny that he thinks he's right about it. I remember everything <laughs> about this, so. Um- <laughs> I mean, okay, so one, I, I, just to explain the role of a tour manager, right? A tour manager, you have a client, your client is your band and fuck everything else except for your band. And that's the mentality you kind of have to, you know, within a certain uh, ethical standard, right? Not You're not, not going to break legs over it. But. Not kill, destroy, but 
and not even steal, but like get what you can, right? And definitely always get what's on the fucking contract. Like no matter what you have to like pull out all the stops to get all the money that you know that you are owed. Um, because let me tell you what happens if you don't promoters talk word gets around and like you promoters figure out what they can get away away with. This That's is the band that I can do that to. For promoters to be like, I, even though this is what we've contract we, what we've contractually obligated ourselves to, it is very common for promoters to try to like fuck you out of money as a band. That's yes, that's what they do. Like, I'm not saying your friend was um, actually trying to fuck us out of money, but I don't consider him a real promoter. So I'm not too worried about my friend here. Well, and so that okay, but that was also the other problem with that tour in general. We ran into the booking agent we had then. We ran into a lot of situations like that. He was not the only one on that tour. I, I had to deal with stuff like that every other night. Um, and so there was a certain level of professionalism that was lacking. You know, you're playing smaller towns, you're playing these more DIY shows, but you still have to like get shit done and like get to the end of the show. And part of being a tour manager, um, usually like, it's not like, oh, show up and be an asshole, but it is show up and like, hey, I'm in control of what's happening tonight. And like, here is what needs to happen to make this a good show. And if we're all on the same page, like things are going to be great. Like plenty of settlements getting paid after the show. You're sitting there having a beer, like talking about talking shit on other venues you've played or whatever. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of promoters that just really have their shit together are are really good at their job and understand that it's not their show. It's the headliner show. It is. That was Emory's show. Like, yeah, yeah. The Whatever the venue costs is actually coming out of what they would or would not get paid. Right. Because those all go into expenses. It's like, yeah, the venue costs a thousand dollars. If the venue was free, then that'd be a thousand dollars more that you could get paid. So that's the right way to look at it. Like, no, this is our show because all the tickets we're selling for people who are coming to see our band are paying for that door guy. They're paying for whoever's working the bar. They're paying for the sound guy. They're paying for the extra help uh, to load in. Um, and they're also pay- paying your promoter profit. Thank you for promoting the show. You did a great job getting people right. That's how it should be. Like it's a mutual kind of give and take. Um, so your buddy, for, the first thing that happened, I think, was that um, there's this thing where you advance shows, which is the point of advancing a show is to exchange all the possible information that might be necessary to know with the show. So okay. I tell him like, "Hey, here's how many people we got. Here is our. Um, this is what beer we want. Hey, yeah. So we have this two hundred dollar budget." A hundred of that, you, I want you to give it to me in the cash. The rest, I want you to go buy four cases of Miller Lite. Um, we're going to show up at this time. You need to make sure to have somebody there for our load-in for this. Whatever it could be. And you kind of, there's a back, there can be a back and forth there. When you're a few weeks out, he could come and say, hey, no problem and all this stuff. Just so you know, sound guy can't be there till six. So we can't sound check till six. Okay, no problem. You've advanced it. We're all in the know. I showed up. He had some clothing company there selling merch. Yes. <laughs> okay, this is only funny to Casey and I. I. This is not great for our listeners. No one cares. But this is the funniest. <laughs> Do you know the clothing company? Yeah, Did you we know can, those people? We'll, we'll talk. We can after we stop the record. We. Uh, I'm gonna throw out a name, and you can tell me if it's right. <laughs> okay. Um. So the problem with that is, is not to like be this like asshole that's like, fuck them. They can't sell merch. It's like, hey, who the fuck is this? Like, we're here to sell merch to our fans. Like, you're not looking for more competition. Like, you don't want more people selling merch. 
because that takes away and that's yeah with emory it's like okay emory people are gonna buy their merch in that scenario really the opening bands you're like hey now you're screwing our opening bands that aren't even getting paid that much and i'm also advocating for them and like you just you didn't even like run this by they're like oh well they're a non-profit like i don't give a shit like we don't we're not supporting their non-profit i don't know their mission i don't give a fuck about their mission like it could be to like save like i don't know aborted babies like whatever <laughs> <laughs> like you it didn't say you didn't say anything about us you, this you didn't let us know and it feels like you're just trying to push this in there to get like you're trying to help somebody out like do them a favor like you're like oh i'll do you a solid put you on this show um and it's just like no we're not doing that tell them to pack up their stuff uh and leave like they can't sell merch tonight because we didn't agree to that that's not in our contract they didn't sponsor the show like what are we doing like let's just let everybody sell merch that that's where it goes it's like well why not like well let's just find or you got some other local bands here let's just let them set up and sell merch who gives a fuck uh so it's just like hey let's do what's by the book here what we've talked about so uh, and then we went to settle and what it was was probably a versus deal. It was a guarantee versus a certain amount, depending on the door. So it could be a thousand dollars versus 70% of the door and whichever one is greater is what you would get. So I think what happened was there was a versus deal and, um, you know, a couple hundred people showed up. And so it was going to pay us more than the thousand dollars, which it was probably more than that, but whatever. He charged the wrong ticket price for the show. Cause we were doing all the math and stuff and I have a spreadsheet and I'm like, it should be this amount. And he's like, Oh, I have this. And I'm like, no, it should be this. And he was looking at it. And he's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It looks like we charged $10 instead of $12. And I was like, yeah, that's a you problem. Not a me problem. Basically is what <laughs> I, I said. Can, I can see how difficulties arise. <laughs> I think it's uh, like some of this stuff is just, I don't know. I get, I would, I could see how, like, if you're not, inside the industry you wouldn't really think to look at it some of those ways but it it makes sense or you wouldn't think that i was gonna care like oh this probably won't be a big deal like no it's an extra five hundred dollars that is a big deal (laughs) like that's a big deal to us so sucks for you that you fucked up and hopefully this will be a learning experience for you to make sure you charge the right goddamn ticket price that was (laughs) on the contract because you messed up so because then you go back to your band you're like Oh wait, so I'm making less money because somebody else didn't do their job right. Um, and if you do that every night, five hundred dollars less every night over a tour, that's a thirty day tour, that's fifteen thousand dollars. So you have to think about it how it adds up over the course. It's not just that one night, like, oh, what do you care about five hundred dollars? Like, well, no, like I'm gonna enforce this and then just in case maybe you talk to another promoter somewhere, like, hey, a tour manager is a real stickler for this make sure you're like so that that could pay off down the road and then it's my job like looks good to to my band that i went to bat for him so so this did this get real heated no i don't think i think we're i can't hear the audio did sam try to say something yeah i did but i muted my mic like a fucking bitch who has never podcasted before so um no it didn't get heated he he basically conceded right away as is how i remember it so he said uh (laughs) I texted him today to told him, told him you were coming on. I'm like, finally get to hear the rest of the story. And he's like, well, I don't know what sort of story there is to tell. I gave him everything you wanted. And I texted him back and said, not wanted, not going? wanted, entitled to, entitled to. Oh, I texted him oh, back. You, I'm like, you're a big fan of entitlement, huh? Yeah. 
I just texted him back and I'm like, when are you going to learn to stand up for yourself? (laughs) So here's the thing. He could have told me to pound sand. I'm not going to actually fight the guy over it, you know, but it's just, it was like, it's one of those things. It's like, I would have stuck around for a little while. I would have made his night miserable. Like, um, I don't know. I've, (laughs) I've walked people to the ATM and show me you have a zero balance in your bank account right now. Cause I don't believe you. Like, where's our fucking money? That type of thing. But, and that sounds like an asshole thing to date. No, it you, sounds like the worst job. I don't think it sounds like an asshole thing to do. I think it sounds like the worst job ever. Um, it's a fun job, but it's it's not fun to do those things. But you get turned around like, oh, you're an asshole. Like, no, you're the asshole that booked this band and don't have all the money. Like, why? I'm I'm the asshole for telling you, like, hey, you agreed to do this, and now you're not? Like, no, piece of shit. Like, <laughs> Write the check. And this happened another time in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And same thing, just like a not a real promoter doing a real show that had um, money in the bank to like cover if they had losses or whatever. He did this thing where he was like, um, hey, we only have this so much. I can send you the rest. I'll go to the bank on Monday, you know, it's a weekend and send you the rest. And I'm just like, mm, no, that's not going to work. Um, looks like you have a lot of friends here. Why don't you just borrow from some of your money for money from your friends and pay them back on Monday? Because they're going to be here. We're not. And I don't believe you're ever going to send. Yeah. Which, which, and he thought that was an asshole thing to do. And I'm like, but no, you're asking to borrow a thousand dollars from me and pay me back later. You have 10 friends here. Like y'all can get a thousand dollars together. And if you're good for it, pay them back on Monday. No problem. Yeah. Right. (laughs) What's the problem? We're leaving. Was this pre Venmo days? Uh, Yeah. 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 This was like cash or check. uh, Yeah. Or wire. This is like a good inauguration into like, the rest of the business world though, because I mean, I might, what I do now, like we don't have near as many of those scenarios, but like when you do get somebody, like sometimes it's a misunderstanding. Sometimes it's a total yeah. departure from like, you just do not see things the same way. Once in a while you run into somebody who's a bad actor though. Yeah. yeah. Like, like I literally have gone in with a proposal to talk to a customer. They say, check back with me next week. I come back in and they've changed my proposal. Wow. And they'll say something like, so, uh, you know, these numbers still good. I think we're ready to go. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, no, this is not what I gave you. Wow. I don't know what you're talking about. It's right there. What? Oh, yeah. People do that. It's not very many. Most of the time it's like, uh, well, you know, times are tough around here and we had to pay this bill and that bill and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. Hey, look, I, I you've, you've had a balance for 120 days. I need you to pay this bill and I'm not selling you any product. We're cash on demand from here on out. And I'm not selling you any more product until this bill's paid up to, to current, you know? Yeah. So I love that you're saying that because people don't expect bands to operate in that way. They feel like you're being an asshole if you try to operate in that way. That's and just because it. it's a band and just because you're a Christian band and oh, I'm just this local promoter, like, Hey dude, nobody put a gun to your head. Take this show on. Like you fucked up, you charge twelve dollars instead of fifteen or ten dollars instead of twelve, whatever it is. Sorry. Like go get the money from the people out there, explain to them, or just um so I don't know I what he thought. Like, I don't know what he thought this is, this is a ministry and we really appreciate <laughs> oh, yeah. the contribution. <laughs> the ministry card is a good one. Yeah, that whole tour oh god. So that whole tour was riddled and shit like that. There was a show where the guy literally had to go get a deacon from the church to bring a check. Like oh, it was just a man. lot of amateur the promoters handle the money. I get it. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Check brother. the walls in the bathroom. Yeah. And just like, 
so a lot of shows on that tour that typically um, you wouldn't want to have to deal with. And it runs, yeah, you end up in a lot of situations like that where <laughs> people just don't know how it goes. So a really good promoter, if they don't have the money, they just, they do have the money before the, the show even starts. Like they just have a check ready to go. And if they take a loss, they take a loss. Like it's not a, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't sell enough tickets. Yeah. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. Dude, that's funny. Anyway. It sounds like you're the uh, right guy for that. I, I, it sounds like you got you got to be that guy a lot, maybe along the year, uh, <laughs> over the years. Uh, on that tour, yes. So. <laughs> well, let me just say on behalf of our friend, I just want to apologize for him. Uh, <laughs> I, I know he's sorry, and I know he only wishes he would have handled that situation. He, I would argue he didn't handle it bad. He didn't really argue <laughs> necessarily, but I know he thought I was a massive cock sucker um, <laughs> well i'm so glad we got to hear that yeah from your side of things that that's ultimately <laughs> what makes this whole thing worth it for me there's there's only one truth don't let don't let him tell you any different thank you aaron for telling us your truth thank you yeah exactly your truth speaking your truth it's very brave of you that's great <laughs> Well, dude, thanks so much, man. I know we've kept you here for a while. It's the fun thing about this podcast is we don't usually tell people how long we're going to keep them, and it just ends up being probably longer than they expect. Oh, I, <laughs> but, I love uh, podcasting. I love talk. You know, it's fun. Like, you know, um, I imagine when As Hades Burn was a bigger active band, maybe we would have got a lot more requests So for podcasts. That wasn't a thing back then, right? So it, it's fun to get them now. Make like, it up for lost time. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, man. Well, thanks so much, dude. This is fun. It was good to talk to you. Yeah, yeah thank you. Great to meet you. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>